outside of India. And welcome to Machan vs. the World podcast. I've been lucky enough to be studying at a university in Moscow with students from across the world. I want to use this opportunity to learn more about the different peoples through their stories. Join me on this journey across the world through stories told by the people that have lived them. With me, you're Machan. That means bro in South Indian languages. I hope you learned something new with me today. Hello everybody. This week, last week we were in Iran, in the Middle East. And this week we are going a long, long, long way to the West. And I don't know, I thought the best way to introduce this country would be with a song. So in 3, 2, 1, take it away. Lured by the peanut butter scent, you walked into a trap. The bar snapped and hit your foot. It could have been your neck. And I left you for dead, but you are having none of that. And twenty hours later, crawled out of the corner, still ensnared. Didn't know what to do, so I covered you with a wastebasket. Put a piece of cardboard underneath Took you down to Astoria Park You were running small circles in the dark Wondering what was going on You going to live Mousey You going to live Mousey You going to thrive Not just survive <laughs> if you haven't figured out which country this is by now, then I don't know. You should like give that song another listen. It is the United States of America. And I'm so glad to welcome my friend Constantine to the podcast. Constantine, welcome. Thank you very much. I'm really glad to be here. It's a big honor. Oh, and I don't know. First time we met was exactly after you played this song. It was at that bar. What was the name of it? I kind of forgot. Uh, I believe it was called Jim and Jacks. Jim and Jacks, yeah. So we were at this bar and there was this open mic and Constantine played this song and I was like, I had to go to say hi to this person until that song kind of resonated with me and how I think of the American condition at this point of time because I don't know it's about this as far as in my interpretation it's about this mice who kind of struggles against you know against for for the against the system in a way and gets into this trap and it's that struggle to be relevant or struggle to be famous in a way I don't know it kind of sounds very American to me sure yeah I hope that uh, I'll have an opportunity to play the entire song later yeah this was just kind of a little um, little teaser Mm -hmm. a little uh, just an excerpt. Um, but yeah, I think there are many interpretations yeah. at the same time. <laughs> at the same time, what actually happened, um, it was a, What's the story a real story. It was a real story of uh, living in New York and having a mouse problem. Really? In a, yeah, one of these old apartment buildings, uh-huh. um, which were, I guess, not perfectly uh, insulated and therefore mice could get into the crevices okay. and the little holes in the apartment and uh, the street that I lived on um, had a lot of restaurants it still has a lot of restaurants which part of New York was this? Uh, Astoria, New York Story? Astoria Astoria that sounds, that sounds Italian Italian? yeah uh, yeah I think it's it was named after uh, Jacob Esther okay. A-S-T-O-R uh, there's a 
in New York, uh, there's a subway stop uh, called Esther Place, which mm-hmm. is near NYU. Okay. And it, that's also named after Esther. He was uh, probably, I don't know, he was a, a magnet, business magnet oh, of that okay. time of, I think, the 19th century, possibly. Okay. I think he was a fur trader. Okay. Uh, but uh, this this town wanted to, I guess, have a sponsor. Uh, wanted him to sponsor um, their town or or their neighborhood, and therefore they named it Astoria. Yeah. I don't think he actually gave them any yeah. money, or maybe he gave them a little money, but I don't think it really worked out the way they wanted it. All right. But it's a Greek. It's actually the biggest Greek neighborhood. No. Oh. In possibly the world outside of Greece. For real. <laughs> yeah. So you're saying like the highest Greek diaspora is in, is in New York outside of Greece? I think so. I think oh. I think it's in Astoria where I lived. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about you. You are you were born in Russia, spent True. 13 years in yep. Russia, and then you went to the United States and you did your school, continued schooling there, did your college, mm-hmm. and then you worked in the United States, and now you're back to Russia. So yep. how would you identify yourself? Russian, American? Yeah, I think it's a tough question for somebody like me because uh, on the one hand uh, I have both citizenships mm-hmm. which uh, is allowed I hope that continues to be that way because uh, it would be very hard for me to give up one of the passports right. um, and, the, and culturally I think also you know maybe even in a way more importantly because a passport is very important but I think uh, also just sort of my uh, way of looking at the world is probably a, a combination of both. And I think that um, as a young adult, I was growing up in the U.S. And as an adult, I spent pretty much my entire life in the U.S. Right. So I think, uh, obviously, I think living in the U.S. for so long has had a, a major impact on who I am. Right. Um, but at the same time, I think those early years also are the very... Formative years. Yeah, very formative, I think. you know, uh, On the one hand, we are not... You know, we're not adults. We're not responsible when right. we're 11 or 10. Uh, but I think that uh, we we do learn about culture and about relationships. So I think like many people uh, who are in a situation like mine, I'm probably a hybrid. But I do run into situations and I think it was more, more so in the past where uh, some of my relatives here probably thought I was kind of weird. <laughs> of course. And not just my... <laughs> Personal, because my personal characteristics, but I think because of the culture, right, being uh, partly American, <laughs> right, and that's kind of true. So right now he is a student, a master student of translation in MGU, and being like the hybrid helps in that. He's also yeah. a teacher of English to Russian, and he also teaches Russian to international students. And he's an editor, and as you just saw, he's also a musician who performs. In open mics, like how, like on the one that we met. Also, he has like a com- comedy <laughs> part that he's trying to pursue also on the side. So he's like a really cool, interesting person. And I, when I met him, I was like, okay, I didn't, I did, I, I always had the idea for the podcast back then, but I didn't, like, hadn't started it yet. So I was like, okay, when America comes, I have a person to call up to. And sure, was sure. <laughs> and so glad that you made it, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was. Uh... It was a great uh, surprise, and and uh, you know I was very glad that you invited me. I didn't know you had a podcast yeah. until recently. Yeah, until recently. So I'm excited. Not a lot of people here. do know, <laughs> even at this point. That's right? awesome. I yeah. think it's it's a great thing. Yeah, as far as comedy, I think uh, it's 
Well, yeah, it is also an interest of mine. I would say it's not as fully developed as mm-hmm. translation or as music <laughs> or as teaching, but I think it's it is something I like right. and uh, definitely a fan of comedy. So, if you could make an observation between co- comedy in America and comedy in Russia, what mm-hmm. would be your observation, especially since you do know both languages quite well? Yeah, that's a great question and uh, a tough question. Yeah, because I think there's a lot of diversity. I think that when people tend to answer this kind of question, they they sort of uh, oversimplify American comedy and they say it's just, you know, dumb comedy. Um, that's always not the case. I think there's a lot of diversity in the styles of comedy. And I think now people realize that more. I wouldn't say that that misconception is still as uh, prevalent as in the past. And I think especially comedians here in Russia really appreciate some of the greats, such as Louis C.K. Right. Uh, or if I can Dave name some, Dave Chappelle is amazing. Yeah, Dave Chappelle. Carlin. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. They're like even in India, we do appreciate that kind of comedy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of those are, um, yeah, all of those are very uh, smart comics. Yeah. And uh, I'm not saying you know they, they would do really well. They probably would do. I don't know the good math, but I'm saying it's very intelligent comedy, right. observational, exactly. and uh, finding. You know, they're almost like uh, almost like philosophers with a sense of humor. Right. Um, there's also there are also other kinds of comedy which are you know almost you know there's physical comedy, prop comedy. Right. So what was Carrot Top? Carrot Top. Is yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's, you know, that's awesome. Yeah. So Carrot Top is uh, the king, the oh, king of oh, prop, prop comedy, comedy right? Yeah. And like. That is not something I'm into. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, and uh, but some people are really into it. And, right. and uh, I think in America, there's a variety of comedy. Um, you know, there's something for everybody. I think in Russia, uh, it lo- it's a little bit hard for me to say because I'm mostly familiar with more underground comedy mm. uh, by going to open mics, right. uh, kind of seeing up and comers. I don't really watch uh, enough television. Right. To really, uh, you know, judge the status of mainstream comedy, but uh, some Russian comedians—I can actually name some—and maybe this will be interesting to some of you who are who want to follow Russian comedians. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dolgapolov. 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 Yeah. Okay. Or comes to mind. Um, no, what that person? <laughs> I, I I know absolutely zero about dude, yeah uh, did you find him it's a tennis player no no if you look up uh do, oh sorry dalgapolov dalga yeah dalgapolov uh Again. yeah alexander yeah that's that's probably him yeah is that the same comedian yeah that's him that's Ukrainian him profession? no no this oh, one this okay. one wait that's him yeah Again. so he's cool he's a tennis he? player no that's not the right oh i'm sorry no, <laughs> is, we have it. is it a different <laughs> yeah, yeah hold on let me find him um Dude, like vladimir Douglas if you look up if you add comedian ah, to that okay. uh search query <laughs> let's see yeah that's i think it's kind of a joke about you find him? putin okay yeah oh he he he, he had he to got flee the trouble. country yeah but oh. i think i think he's back um i'm not familiar with his really controversial material mm-hmm. um i haven't i don't think i've seen much, but I guess he got in trouble. But he's really funny. Another one is Vasily Medvedev, mm-hmm. uh, and um, some of these guys also uh, tell jokes in English. Really, perform in English, yeah. And how, how is the comedy scene in Russia? Is it like mostly underground, or are there like these very safe comics who are like, how do you say it? Who are like the Russian media who don't say anything edgy, so they are very successful in the mainstream. Yeah, I think there are, and. Uh, 
let's see. I know there are a whole bunch. I feel like um, I feel like there are many Russian comedians that are on TV, and we have a comedy club, comedy club, right. uh, which is a program on television. Mm-hmm. I think there's some famous. I don't remember the guys' names now, but I mean, it's just a, a, a Google search away to find them. Right. I know there's like famous, uh, and they're quite funny. Uh, and all these are in Russian, like. Russian comics in Russian. Yeah, but what, but what about surprised. any English Russian speaking? Yeah, there are. In fact, uh, in fact, we do have. I mean, Moscow is a very vibrant city. Right. I've lived in Moscow now for I guess about two and a half years. Mm-hmm. And Moscow, like New York, is a is a very vibrant city. There's so much to do in terms of you know even comedy clubs. There are a lot of comedy clubs. Not as many as in New York. Yeah. There are more in New York, but. Um, even English, there are uh, English language comedy nights yeah. and even There's one clubs. comedy club which has Spanish, English and Russian, right? You know about that place, right? Yeah, I know about it. It's near Bibliotheca Mini Lenina. Yes. Near that. Will, you, will your uh, listeners understand what Bibliotheca Mini Lenina means? <laughs> it's, uh, it's a metro station. <laughs> it's a metro station. And do you know what why it's called? Well, you, of course, you know. I know that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that... Uh, I okay, think you, you know. Them. I think no. I think you know that uh, Yadu speaks uh, Russian fluent. I don't know if he told Little you. Little bit during I, previous. I, I, I can't podcasts. say it's fluent, but I'm learning. So biblioteca. Well, of course, you know the biblioteca is it, the main library. library. It's like yeah. one of the. I think it was the biggest library during the Soviet times. It named after Lenin, and sure. I think I think it's still one of the top five biggest libraries in Europe, if mm. I'm not mistaken. It's an amazing place. It is. And I have a card, but I ha- I went there searching for some radio archives. Mm-hmm. So I made like a card, but I couldn't find radio archives there. Yeah. So after that, I haven't yeah. been there. But I think that to answer your question, I think thinking more about it, um, I don't think that as far as mainstream comedy, uh, there's as much freedom to express whatever you want. Because I think in the US, you can say pretty much anything. Right. Second Amendment. First yeah, first. First Amendment. <laughs> yeah. Second Amendment yeah. is something completely Second is similar. So related. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's related. Yeah. But it's, yeah, that's another one. Um, it's the one about guns. Yeah, exactly. Second, Second Amendment. Um, and the first one's about speech. So, yeah. So I think that uh, Russia is a much more conservative society in that sense. And um, we do have, um, I don't know, I think not as much freedom of speech as in the US, probably, I would think. I think because, for example, somebody criticizing whatever it might be, uh, they would not get in trouble. But right. here they might get in trouble. So it's a little bit different. I think that comedians who want to be uh, more, uh, I don't know, take more risks with their content, they probably have to stay more on the ground, right. at least with that material. And maybe when they perform at more mainstream venues, they maybe they can be. Yeah, yeah. And then um, there's another place called Comedy Store on Pakrovka Street. And they also have English uh, language comedy. Is it I want to say it's near, uh, let's see, near... Because I do know. Chiste, no, not Chiste, what's it called? Chekhovska, near Chekhovska. And then it's a different place. Pet, Petrovka. Oh, Petrovka, not Pakrovka. Petrovka. Okay. Pakrovka is not a favorite street of mine, but okay. that's Kitai Gorod. This is um, so, Petrovka. And they have a, a wonderful comedy club there. And they have some English nights as well. Mm. Yeah. Have you performed that? Uh, no, I've performed that stand-up one. Which is near, but this, maybe yeah, yeah, I've seen that. I, I know that place. Stand up one side when you're taking a walk towards the right side. It's like on the yeah on the f- first floor. It's not on the ground floor. I think it's like two buildings together, and there's like a karaoke next to it. Yes, you're right. Yeah. You're right. And then uh, sometimes downstairs they have kind of a night for up and comers. I performed mm-hmm. at that open mic for up and comers. Right. In English, actually, I performed in English there, and um, I think it was you know I I enjoy my own style right. of comedy. 
I think it's not mainstream. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's not even funny. I don't know. But, <laughs> but, but I enjoyed the enjoy? sort of anti-comedy, yeah. alternative comedy. Right. So I do have, even though I'm not really a comedian right. yet or whatever, or maybe ever, <laughs> but uh, I am a comedy fan and mm-hmm. I, I do have sort of specific... And you enjoy like performing. Yeah. And I have kind of specific uh, tastes in comedy. Uh, some of my favorite comedians are not very well known. Uh, Tim right. and Eric... Tim and Eric. No, <laughs> so those of those of your uh, listeners who know them, uh, kudos to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they will probably. Yeah, kudos to you, and uh, you'll probably, you know, really. I think it's either you love them or you hate them. But if you love them, you're way into uh, Tim and Eric. They they have a whole world of comedy. Uh, worlds. Can I make like an observation about American comedy? Because from I do consume a lot of American comedy, and I think it's like the only comedy in which race relations are like very openly talked about even yeah. even the discrimination and the dynamic between different races i think mm-hmm. that's a part of american culture which other societies don't have it to that degree in my in my opinion so would you how would you compare that with like how the russian experience of comedy between different groups and how they talk about it and the cosmopolitanism in russia and in America, because you live both their life. And like you said, New York and Moscow are two vibrant cities, two of the most cosmopolitan cities. I'd say Moscow would be the most cosmopolitan in the eastern part of the world and New York on the western part of the world. How would you compare that cosmopolitanism? Let's look at it through the lens of comedy first and then through the lens of the entire culture. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, from uh, you know one point of view, I think that if somebody is different, uh, or if somebody talks about differences, it can be obviously interesting and funny if it's done well. So I think people uh, point out differences and point out kind of things that they find unusual. Um, oftentimes, I would say in the U.S., I used to go to this place, um, a comedy club in um, Washington D.C. So uh, Dave Chappelle's from? Yeah, he's from there, right, right, right. And uh, what is the name of the place? Okay. Oh, I want to say Matt. No, Matt or something. I forgot. Um, but I think that sometimes, if if the comedian is not from the same culture as the audience, uh, sometimes they make observations about those kinds of differences. Um, because I think that if you criticize or if you make fun of people from other, you know, other cultures, right? Uh, it's like you have to be careful about it because if it's not funny, you know, it can be it can be offensive. So. It, somebody like Dave Chappelle does it brilliantly. Uh, I would say somebody like Louis C.K. does it brilliantly. But I think it takes, uh, you know, it's like a, you, you're walking on the tightrope. It is. And um, I mean, the risks of what's the risk of failure? I mean, it could be the end of a career, you know, to, to cite an you extreme example. Canceled. Yeah. And sometimes that's probably, sometimes maybe it's unwarranted. But sometimes maybe it is warranted because if you look at, uh, to I mean to cite an extreme example, uh, Kramer from Seinfeld. Seinfeld. I forget his name, his real name, but yeah. whatever is it, it is. Anti Um, I think he he was at a club in uh, Los Angeles, I believe, <laughs> and there were some African American audience members. Yeah. Who were heckling him, mm-hmm. and he started using the N word. Oh, so this Jesus. is an example of I think pointing <laughs> out you know differences or pointing out characteristics, yeah. which of course it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, and it's um, you know we talk about cancel culture. Does somebody like that deserve to be canceled? I don't know. I think it's a in an individual choice, but I think that's obviously not the way to go. Yeah. It's it's not it's not funny. Yeah. It's not kind of hateful. <laughs> 
in a way. Yeah, sure. It's hateful and it's just it's it's probably dumb in the way. So I think that people. People who do it, uh, like anything else, you know, it's probably even seems effortless. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's a risk because it's probably one thing. I would think that if you're, let's say you're an African-American comedian and you're performing the Apollo, which is, you know, oh, the, it's in, in, in New York, there's yeah. a sort of a, in Harlem. Uh-huh. So your audience is probably going to be mostly African-American. Uh-huh. I think you can... I don't know. Probably people do. Like you might take sort of an easy route. You can make fun of uh, I don't know uh, Chinese mm-hmm. uh, restaurant owners right. who are you know they have a Chinese restaurant in Harlem, and it could be funny. It could be good. I mean, why not? You know, if it's funny, it's good. It could also be bad. Like if you if you make fun of things that. And it turns out not to be funny. Then right. you just you offended people, and you, maybe you offended some people at the same time. Maybe you didn't offend other people. Right. Um, you know, if you're a white comedian at. Uh, the Apollo, you have to be probably careful with yeah. if you were going to point out some things about African American people, you have to be careful because some things you might say, they might love it. Yeah. And some Almost things you might say, you might, you might miss the mark. And, and, you know, first of all, they might boo you. They might, <laughs> I don't know, throw rotten tomatoes at you. And like try to cancel you on Twitter. Yeah, possibly. So I think, you know, but in a way, actually, I do have an opinion about this. I think that it comes from the fact that what I don't have a problem with is if somebody doesn't uh, address it from a place of hate. Like if you just, mm. if you make fun of people, but you can, other people can tell that you don't hate them. Right. That right. you, you probably, you like them. You love them right. maybe even. I don't know, not to be too religious about you know loving but you like them you're just pointing out things because it's funny i think that's that's probably key and i think that uh sane people people who are not you know because we have some people who are insane (laughs) sane people i think uh, are okay with that you know they understand that it's just you know it's just a joke yeah and what about the russian context i mean you're talking about these uh, dynamics between different groups yeah i think it's you know um what's interesting that here of course we have a different mix of nationalities we do of exactly. course have right now we're near ruden so yeah. we have people from all over the world right uh but of course as far as what groups dominant i mean are predominant we have a lot of people from um the yeah, other republics yeah central asia exactly thank you central asia and uh or maybe armenia ukraine I guess not, yeah Former Soviet republics. Yeah. Mainly. Yeah. And so, yeah. students like us who are like a minority from Asia, Africa, right. and other countries. Right. So, I think as far as uh, for the audience to relate, I think mostly, uh, okay, we wouldn't talk about, you know, Chinese because there aren't that many. Of course, or maybe there are that many. In the, at Rudan, I guess Rudin, there are yeah, many. We do have a lot of Chinese. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think here maybe there are more jokes about being Armenian or mm. something. Really? Yeah, like because can I be honest? When I, first year, uh, well, obviously, I couldn't tell the difference between a person from Armenia, from Russia, from yeah. Azerbaijan, Central Asia, yes, but all the other people look very almost kind of the same thing. But now I'm starting to kind of able to differentiate people based on their hair color mm-hmm. and a little bit of the accents. Now I can like when I hear someone talk Russian, I can sort of figure out the accent. But during first year, I was like, everyone's Russian sounds the same to me. Yeah. But now I'm like slowly starting to understand the idiosyncrasies of different uh, countries of origin. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. really cool. But how would you like, what's the difference in the diversity between Russia and uh, the, for example, Moscow and New York? Mm-hmm. What What's your observation on that? Well, I think that um, in, in Moscow, for example, we do have some people from other countries that are not uh, the former Soviet Union 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, for example, from India. Yeah. Uh, I have some friends from America, from from let's see, well, from England, mm-hmm. uh, other places. Uh, but I think there aren't that many of them. Whereas in a place like New York, uh, there there's a ton of people from all over the world, and you can walk down the street and um, or take a, a sub the subway, maybe even mm-hmm. better. And you can end up in a place where it's pretty much all Colombians or all mm. Filipinos. Right. It's like... Uh, but mixed with other people. But we have restaurants, cafes, stores, and you can get totally immersed in the culture. I think there's not as much of that here. There's right. probably some, but there's more of that in New York. And and it's there's more of an international feel. I think in Moscow, it's not quite to the same extent. There's some of it, but not to the same extent. Right. And... As an American in okay, can I call you American? I mean, I I'm an American citizen. I'm a Russian citizen as well. But I did, you know, I do vote yeah. in, in America. I I do other things in America. <laughs> so, as an American citizen, yeah. I always want to ask this question to American: like Hollywood and how do you say glob- globalization as such has been so successful in exporting american culture to almost all parts of the world that wherever you go people know your songs people know your movies people know your movie stars people know what's happening in your politics i know more about what's happening in american politics than in indian politics and it's really strange for me because i listen to more american podcasts than indian podcasts so my question is how does that feel when you go to any part of the world and your culture is so uh widespread and so well known and people can relate to it so much mm-hmm. how, how does that feel for you i mean in a way it feels like uh, it's a, a privilege because uh in one very specific sense english is spoken everywhere right and i mean almost not in everywhere. russia <laughs> not in russia i guess you might be right i mean yeah but people want to it's yeah. amazing how many people want to yeah, learn english which which is good because uh as an english teacher yeah it's it's good for me um you know, I also, I don't think I've told you this before, but I also lived in Dubai, but it was many years ago. I lived really? in Dubai. Yeah. And I'm sure you met a lot of Indians there. Yes, I did. I did. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I lived in, um, have you been to Dubai? No, I've never been to Dubai. Okay. There's actually a neighborhood called Karama. Karama. Heard of Karama. And it's predominantly, well, at least when I was there, it was predominantly um, Indian and mm. maybe Pakistani. Right. I mean, a lot of um, South Asian. residents. Yeah, South Asian Resident. residents. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I lived in that neighborhood. You know? So, I did frequent a lot of Indian restaurants uh, okay. uh, a lot and uh, cafes and stuff. So, I know Indian food to some extent. Oh, uh, okay. And I love Indian food. Um, yes, a lot. So, I don't know. Like in Dubai, for example, I think I missed American culture when I was there. It was a long time ago. but And I listened to American radio. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was quite a long time ago. So I think now the internet gives us more opportunities to stay in touch to, with whatever <laughs> news channels we want to. And I mostly read American news nowadays um, and watch, you know, mostly American stuff on YouTube and so forth. That's the thing. I do the same. <laughs> yeah. But when I was in, in America, I think I, I paid attention more to what was happening in Russia really? than now, at least through the media. Oh, okay. That's, I don't know. It's ironic because... I feel like I, I'm immersed in this culture now, mm-hmm. and I think I want to know what's happening in the U.S. through whatever Yahoo News or uh, whatever it might be, okay. New York Times, Yahoo News. And Yahoo News is an aggregator, so it's yeah. all kinds of sources. But I read the New York Times, 
Washington Post, mm -hmm. whatever. Time, well, maybe Time Magazine. <laughs> I'm not sure about Time Magazine. Um, but yeah, of course, you know, I think obviously America is so dominant uh, in in business. You know, the cultural sphere. Yeah, culture. Everybody knows American movies, uh, American food. And I think people probably have mixed feelings about it. I think people Well, feel I think it's generally positive. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. Because I know I'm able to relate to someone who's not from America to mm -hmm. American culture. Because, mm -hmm. you know, FIFA, for example. Mm -hmm. It's like everyone plays FIFA. Even though football is not an American sport, we can kind of connect people from different countries through FIFA. Same goes for your movies. Same goes for your comedians. They don't have... They, it's like more global in the sense that it brings together people who I usually won't have anything to connect with each other. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think that American culture does sort of that bridge, that yeah. gap. But as an American, how does it feel so that, that everywhere you go, people kind of know yeah. your culture so well? Well, I think in my case also, like if I go to... Um, some places, um, I mean, I'm also Russian, so uh, in my case, I I do feel like an American a lot. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, I'm also an, an immigrant to America, so it's uh, you know, I feel I feel like it's uh, both. I mean, I feel uh, like uh, having an American passport allows me to to travel to many places. Oh. Although my Russian passport also allows me to go some places. Um, as far as the culture, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think American culture is wonderful. Uh, I do think Russian culture is also wonderful. <laughs> and uh, no, seriously, I think that, like, for example, and I think that people underestimate American culture. I think Russian people tend to uh, sometimes underestimate, us underestimate uh, for example, just the significance of uh, literature, the literature, for example, or even its history. I think people make fun of America for having a very short history, mm -hmm. you know, for being overly materialistic. For smiling too much, you know. <laughs> is, that, is that true? Do, do you think Americans smile more than Russians? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, at, interestingly enough, at Moscow State University, where I'm an elder statesman <laughs> slash student, <laughs> I think I'm the oldest. Slash musician. Slash musician. <laughs> slash, yeah, whatever else. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, I was gonna say, there's another uh, girl there. Mm -hmm. Another girl there. There's a girl there. Another girl. <laughs> there's a girl there who's who's also. Uh, well, she's from America. She was born in America. Born and bred America. Yeah, okay. but uh, she went to college here at Moscow State University. Okay. So you know, another person who yeah, and she smiles a lot. I was gonna say, I <laughs> smile a lot. I think, I think I I smile less now than when I first got here. I noticed the same about me too. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But I smile a lot. I think I think uh, in India people smile. Indian people smile yeah. a lot too, right? I, I, yeah. I, if I if I compare North Indian and South Indian, I'd say us South Indians smile less than North Indian. Oh okay. North Indians are more chirpy, more happy people than us. We are more how do you say more close towards ourselves compared to North Indians. Oh interesting. Okay. Yeah. That's one observation. Yeah, but Kerala. So you're from you're from south. I'm from the south. South Kerala. India. Oh, that's awesome. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. So I was gonna say definitely Americans smile more, and um, I think that uh, there's certain things that I'm used to because as somebody who had to who had to and, and wanted to work in the U.S., mm -hmm. if I didn't smile, yeah, I think I would not eat. <laughs> I would not have eaten. <laughs> Let's put it that way, right? Because like uh, when I was selling guitars, for example, I had that, or when I was teaching. Okay. I think if I if I had been very morose yeah. or somber, yeah. 
or and you know didn't smile. I think that um, it, I think your I, clientele would been affected by that. Yeah, and I'm you know, and of course it becomes a habit because I think just uh, that's those are expectations of how you're supposed to act. Exactly. And uh, I think in America, if you don't smile, people think there's something wrong with you. Yeah. And if there's something wrong with you, then you're not successful. If you're not successful, Ooh. what's wrong with you? Oh, it's uh, like that cycle <laughs> of doom that keeps on repeating itself. Yeah. Exactly. So I think you're supposed to uh, act like things that like things are pretty good. But and I think Russians uh, tend to criticize that. I mean, I could be, you know, painting with broad strokes here, but mm-hmm. I think that. Uh, that's I think the sort of re- regular reaction is that it's insincere. I kind uh, of feel shallow. Bit, I kind of feel a little bit about that when you're like not being sincere, even when you have a problem, when you're in like this mm-hmm. point of trouble, and you still keep like mm-hmm. believing that everything's chirpy, everything's happy. It's kind of you know lying to yourself in a way. That's like kind of my personal opinion. But mm-hmm. it, that's what something I find different about Russians is that you can. Completely be immersed in yourself. You don't have to like open. You don't, there's no expectation that you have to open up to another person, mm-hmm. and that's completely okay yeah, here. Yeah. But back in India, if I was like behave like that, like you said, people would start thinking, "What's wrong with him? There's something wrong with him." Here, it's like you can be very, you know, self-focused or self-centered, mm-hmm. and it's kind of considered okay or normal, which is mm-hmm. an observation which I, I'm kind of liking it at this point of time for some reason yeah. compared to India. Yeah, I like some things. Uh, for example, the fact that uh, you don't have to be exactly on time. I think it's it's very refreshing that uh, Russia is. Really? Really? Yeah, I think Russians are more uh, sort of lenient really? about uh, being late a few minutes oh. compared to America. I think in America, you, you can't be even five minutes late. Oh, okay. So I find it kind of like I was late for class today. Uh-huh. I didn't feel good about that, but still I knew that yeah. it was okay. And then a couple of my classmates were even more late. even more late than me. Yeah. So, but as far as smiling, I think my point is that I think that when people complain, um, I don't think it it le- lends itself to finding solutions, or and I think to, to solve problems, you have to be kind of optimistic. Right. And I think smiling when things are kind of shitty <laughs> or sort of shitty, right. I think it's it can help. So I personally think that when people criticize, you know, like oh, this they're idiots. And in fact, we had speaking of comedians. I think was it. I want to say Zadornov, but if I'm wrong, please, you know, correct that information fact in your check. own. Yeah, fact <laughs> check. Um, and and uh, he had a whole uh, <clears throat> spiel about uh, Americans being stupid. In what sense? Well, like, I don't know, like they're stupid, they're, you know, uneducated or they smile like idiots and blah, okay. blah, blah. But in a way, it, like it doesn't matter if you're happy. I feel like it's good to be happy. And I think that if you smile, mm-hmm. I think it can make you feel happier. Yeah. And if you don't approach strangers, uh, you know, with a scowl, yeah. I mean, then, you know, I think you have better, yeah, I think you have better experiences. Yeah. So I really liked it about American culture. I think that, I think that's a good thing. I think maybe there are some negatives, like where, you know, people are, uh, you know, maybe not sincere. Right. But uh, the flip side is, I think that, you know, you're, if you act like you're happy, sometimes you get happy. Get happier, yeah. And that's good. I think it's good. Because I think it's the most, one of the most important things, I think, is being happy, is but without hurting other people. If right. you're happy and and you know it's not at anybody's expense, then I think it's, it's good. good thing. Yeah, I think it's probably the most important thing. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so like you said, you were you are an immigrant to the United yeah. States. Yeah. 
How was that experience when you spent 13 years in Russia and then moving to the United States in mm-hmm. school? I think that would be like high school. Uh, well, I came when I was in middle school. Middle school. So yeah. that would be, how do you say it? You would be walking into a place where you didn't speak the language, if I'm correct? Yeah, just limited. Yeah, yeah very limited. Very limited. And how was that experience in school when you're in a classroom with kids? Like for me, I know kind, kind, kind of um, empathize with that because mm-hmm. I'm also in sort of same situation. Where I don't, I didn't speak the language a year back, so I have to learn it from scratch. But you, uh, to me, you had a little bit of English in it. So how did you make that transition, and how did your parents also make that transition when you moved to a new country and start a new life? Yeah, I find that really fascinating. Yeah, like I, I think uh, you know it. It wasn't easy. Like maybe it was sort of easy for me, but I don't think it was easy for my whole family. And when when you're growing up, you know, if you have if your family is having problems, then of course those problems also impact you. Right. So um, you know, I think it, it wasn't easy. Uh, it, like for example, for my sister who is two and a half years older, I think it was very tough because she was uh almost 16 mm-hmm. so i think it's even harder i think when you're 13 it's easier mm-hmm. and uh because you're you're still kind of young yeah. um and your classmates also kind of uh how to say i don't know a little bit more curious about a person from a different country when you're a little bit younger but when you get a little bit older a little bit of, how to say preconceptions start to form at the age of yeah well when i first got to um <clears throat> the first town where we lived uh, and when I first uh, started, uh, you know, school there. So can I quickly, sorry to interrupt you. So from which part of Russia did you move to? I moved from Moscow. From so Mo- I was born in Moscow. Uh-huh. I lived uh, in the in the dirty south of dirty Moscow. South. That's where, that's where this Is that where we are now? Yeah. <laughs> We're in the dirty <laughs> south now. In there. <laughs> yeah. So I'm from the dirty south. I also lived almost in the dirty south in the U.S. in Virginia, which is almost like redneck country. Virginia is kind of like... <laughs> That's where the CIA headquarters. That's the stereotype. You're right, exactly. So you have. Uh, That's where Snowden's from, isn't it? Is he from there? I don't know. Uh, I haven't really followed his biography, but is he is he from from there or just uh, did he work there? I just remember this. If Snowden was to go back and he was if he was to be trialed. The mm-hmm. jury would be mostly from Virginia. Yeah, you're right. And actually, that's that's very good that you didn't fall for that stereotype because Virginia is partly that kind of redneck country, uh-huh. but it's also partly not. It's also close to D.C. I yeah. mean, it borders D.C. East Coast. Yeah, but I'm saying Washington, D.C. is right there. Right. And of course, Washington, D.C. is the capital um, of the United States. So Virginia uh, is mm-hmm. one of the states that's right there. That's right. a, a D.C. suburb. Yes. I mean, Northern Virginia is D.C., DC suburbs. Mm-hmm. That's where I lived. I lived in DC suburbs. Um, so, but if you go a little bit more south or southwest, then you're in redneck country. Just if you go just uh, I don't know, twenty miles or even fifteen miles, you'll right. see uh, gun stores. Oh, okay, yeah. So I barbecue. Wanted, I want to explain what redneck country is, but sure. let's continue with your story and then we'll <laughs> sure, sure. That. But I'm I'm into like I actually love, as I said, I love Russian culture as well, but I love American culture mm-hmm. and. Uh, I think that if you love something, you have to recognize its flaws. True. So I think that if you if you don't recognize flaws, you're infatuated. But if you recognize <laughs> flaws, you you love it. Oh. So I I do love. Uh, kind of makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I love I love American culture, and as you said, Hollywood. I love all of that stuff: the literature, the the food, um, everything. Uh, I mean, of course, I said there are flaws. Um, let's see. Let's see. What did you ask me? I forgot. I'm sorry. You were 13. You 13. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So kids like made fun of me initially when I first got to the first school that I attended. They made fun of your accent? Oh, yeah. My name, my name, I'm sure my accent, mm-hmm. uh, my clothes. We didn't have the right clothes. Dude, really? 
Yeah, yeah, because I, I didn't know. Uh, we didn't know the right clothes. We thought, you know, when we got... Is there such a big difference between what clothes you wear in Moscow and clothes you wear in... Washington? Sure. At that time, I think now it's different because now uh, Russia is pretty capitalist. Right. We have access to... And, and also... And so when did he move? When did he move? During the... 92. Oh, that was proper fall of the Soviet Union time. Yes, 92. Exactly. Right after the fall of the Soviet Union. Exactly. 1992. If it's not too personal, could we, could you tell me why you moved to the United States? Why your family... Mm-hmm. No, it's not personal at all. Um... I think that in the '90s, I think many people will tell you that it was a very hard, uh, it was very hard times. The hard, it was very hard times here. Um, it was a very difficult times in terms of uh, the economy, mm-hmm. crime. Right. So it was. I think it was pretty bad here. I understand that some people made fortunes during mm-hmm. this time, you know, yeah. uh, but other people were killed. Right. Many people were killed. Like guns. On the street, kind of violent time to be in Russia. Yeah, 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 a lot of crime. Uh, I think organized crime. But as I said, I think it was also probably a time of opportunities. I think some people really came up mm. uh, financially. Those who survived and made it, you know. Right. Um, but at that time, it was really bad in Russia, and uh, my family had uh, an opportunity to go and live in the U.S. because my dad uh, studied at MIT. Oh, really? For a couple of short, like short-term programs, like for a few months each executive like business so, programs so he was a soviet student who studied in mit yeah so there were these exchange things happening during that yeah 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 oh, okay yeah he was um uh i guess he was he was an economist uh, okay i mean he's actually a physicist mathematician but he was doing like mathematical uh, models uh-huh. uh, i think economic models right at um the i don't know what it's called now but it's the academy uh, of economy i think there's a name but now it has the words government in them too. It's like, uh, anyway, it's the Academy of uh, Economics here in Moscow. Okay. And um, he was one of the, maybe the only, I guess one of the couple of people who went to MIT mm-hmm. to this uh, Sloan School of Business program. Oh, okay. And then he met um, some people who then uh, offered him a job oh. uh, as a management consultant, which is a really good job. Right. And, um, so we went there uh, because my dad had a contract to be a management consultant in Boston. In Boston? Yeah, actually in Cambridge uh, or Boston. Yeah, in the Boston area. Okay. I think it was in Cambridge actually where Harvard and MIT. Oh, yeah. well, is MIT there too? I think so. Okay. But Harvard is definitely there. So uh, we went there and we didn't immigrate initially. We just went there. Hmm. And then after... My dad worked at that job, and then he got another job in Virginia, mm-hmm. and then all this time went by. We got green cards, and then after many, many years after that, we uh, became citizens. Right. I think I became a citizen in, I want to say, like maybe uh, 2000. Oh, okay. About. Eight, almost eight years you had to live in. Uh, yeah. Eight years, right? Yeah. 92. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I think so, because uh, when I went to England... In 2000, I didn't have an American passport yet, but then mm. soon after I did. So it was, I think it was about 2000 right. or, yeah, that I got my American passport. Right. Okay. So back to your story as a kid. As a kid, yeah. So kids made fun of, you know, initially, and then I tried to make fun of them mm. in return. And How did uh, that turn out? Yeah, I think because of my limited language skills, I think that it didn't work entirely as well <laughs> as it could have. Okay. But I remember one kid, uh, well, first of all, Kids made fun of my name and especially like kids who – it's interesting to look back at it because I think kids who felt vulnerable themselves. Exactly. I can remember one 
I'm sorry to be politically or whatever incorrect here or body image incorrect here. Uh, you can't see this is all only audio, but I'm I'm not in great. I'm not in perfect shape. I'm a little. I have some extra. I'm a little fat myself, but I was going to say this fat kid. Okay. Yeah, this this fat kid, I think you know, made fun of me, and I think it's he made fun of me because he felt you know probably vulnerable. Yeah. Because you know, being being a fat kid. You get made fun of, I think, it's as well. Not a fun place to be, not especially when unless you're, unless you're eating ice cream, <laughs> <laughs> then you're having all the fun in the world. That's like how do you say, <laughs> or cake? Yeah, that's like uh, short-term gratification. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a, to quote uh, a great uh, person that I, well, whatever, I've seen him in person, but uh, Fifty Cent. <laughs> uh, like a fat kid I love you like a fat kid loves cake <laughs> to quote 50 Cent I actually have seen 50 Cent in person which really? is pretty awesome yeah back when he was relevant oh is he not relevant now I don't know I haven't heard from the guy in oh I know who the person is I listen to oh, his he's old school I guess yeah right? he's like Suge Knight he's like Suge Knight Suge Knight also <laughs> but he's like even older for me Suge Knight is a different story yeah I don't want to say anything bad because I know he's in prison but I know he's dangerous. So I don't want to. You don't want to upset him. I don't want to upset him. But, but anyway, no. But Fifty Cent, um, I saw him in the Diamond District in New York, mm. and he was skinny because he was. I think he lost weight for a role. Okay. Yeah, and I said like hi to him. I think he just said hi or something, or maybe he didn't even say hi. Maybe he nodded. <laughs> like side player. Yeah. What's up? What's up? What's up, Pim? What's up, Pim? But anyway, uh, like a fat kid. So um, and yeah, our clothes weren't right. Mm-hmm. So I think later I really became conscious of mm. you know coming across in a, in a good try, way. Did you try to like assimilate yourself to what an American kid of your age would be, or did you try to like? Uh, resist? Did you try to like rebel against that sort of pressure to assimilate? How was it? Uh, I definitely tried to assimilate, mm-hmm. definitely. But I think I also, uh, I didn't want to be dishonest with myself. So I think I, I found things that were interesting to me. So I think uh, pretty early on, just I think a couple of years into living in the US, I got into music. Mm-hmm. And um, I, my niche was... Um, other kids were into music, like like rock music, right. bad, you know, garage, right. you know, local right. school bands, right. you know, sucking <laughs> and playing. Sucking. <laughs> I mean, no, or trying trying to be good, but oh, okay. obviously, no. I mean, no, I'm saying like, obviously those bands usually suck, but yeah. I think also but, you're trying your best. I mean, there's some at prodigies. at that age, it's kind of... weren't prodigies, so... Yeah, but at that age, isn't it kind of ex- expected to suck? Yeah, 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 definitely. Definitely. Because garage bands don't usually get really good until they've been doing it for a few years. Sure, sure. And then my friends, I think since, uh, I would say since high school, mm-hmm. maybe like the second year of high school, were musicians, other kids who were into music. Mm. And I wasn't, um, you know, we had some sort of these, obviously in school, I'm not sure if it's the same in India, but I'm guessing maybe it is similar. You have different cliques. Like you have some kids who are into like rock music, uh, some kids who are jocks, uh, jocks like yeah, into sports, I, yeah, I do. and they have those you know what, what do they call those, those uh, jackets? Jackets, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do they call? I forgot. But um, varsity jackets or whatever. Right. Um, actually, I have a varsity jacket, so I'm I'm actually I like sports myself, so I'm not against sports. What, what did you used to play, or what do you? Play? Um, well, actually, in Moscow, I did martial arts. Oh, okay. But I had an injury. I injured my shoulder, so I had to... Um, you dislocated it? Yes, I, I, I dislocated my shoulder. I'm carrying the same thing. <laughs> I, I went sno- I, uh, snowboarding once, fell. Now I dislocated like every couple of months doing like mundane things, playing football. It happens now? Yeah. 
Oh when yeah. When football comes out, I was oh, just like yeah. trying to push over a tree, yeah, and yeah. because of the momentum from it, it came out again. So right now I'm like yeah, really yeah. careful with this. I want to try boxing next year, so I'm uh-huh. a little bit apprehensive because the shoulder just pops. Yeah, yeah. When did you injure it? I think in uh, January of last year. Oh my god. Yeah. Yes. Well, in my case, it used to pop out all the time, and I um I actually. I was uh, I qualified for like various um, teams uh, at my school. In what? Uh, well, so at school I qualified for wrestling. I was on the wrestling team. Okay. I was on the basketball team. Okay. I was on the tennis team. Okay. But I couldn't. You, I couldn't, you, you had a joke. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I wasn't. But at the same time, like I'm not like I feel like I like sports. I think sports, you know, are wonderful. Right. And so I don't. But uh, but I wasn't like a super cool kid like mm-hmm. you know it's I think it's hard for a Russian immigrant to be the yeah. the what do you call it? I know the, the, the prom, prom king the prom I, I, king I know the immigrant struggle <laughs> yeah the, the, I'm on myself you know the, it's hard to, but at the same time like um I had a pretty good experience in school I would mm-hmm. say like as I said like um my family I think had a hard time in a way uh, adjusting like mm-hmm. my my sister and my mom I think initially had a hard time adjusting to life in the U.S. Um, and I think it also reflected on me, um, mm-hmm. you know, because your family stress is also your stress. Mm-hmm. But I think also late, I think later on, um, again, I was into music. I was into some classes that I had in school. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm, I was a great student in college in the U.S. Right. I wasn't a great student over, um, in everything right. in high school because right. I think I was, um, to use, a, uh, I think, you, it's okay to use some bad words, of right? Of course it is. I would, I would say I was a little bit of a, of a fuck up, as they say, but I, but not not entirely. But I would say to some extent. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I was serious about some of my classes, such as uh, literature. I was into literature, mm-hmm. and again, I think my um, my friends who played music, you know, we did some things. Again, I don't know how much I can say, how much I can say, but we, we, did, <laughs> Dude, we did some things that were. You can say whatever you want, honestly. You know, like in in yeah. Anyway, but we. Hung out, we played music, so and so on, and I think uh, it was it was kind of my click mm. of uh, I think we were a little bit outsiders, but in, in somewhat. It, like, did you kind of try? To, was your gang mainly immigrants, or was no. it like? American? Yeah, see, I think I think one good thing about my uh, life growing up is that we didn't. In terms of uh, in terms of uh, assimilation, right. uh, I lived in neighborhoods that didn't have many immigrants, mm-hmm. and I think I think that that was good uh, that early exactly. age. Well, I think because it allowed me to assimilate more initially. Oh, you're saying if you were in like a Russian immigrant community, you would like try to form a clique with more Russian yeah. immigrants, like I think sex. so. I think that would that would have been the norm because right. I think we feel more comfortable, right, right? And it's a comfort zone, right? Um, at the same time, I feel that when later on I uh, reconnected or or met some people from uh, you know from Russia and so on in college and later, I think that was good too because it allowed me to get back in touch right. with my roots. But I think those first years of not being very much in touch, I and think that was good. Yeah, helped, yeah. There was one kid. Uh, the first school that I went to, there was one kid from Armenia. Okay, and. Um, I wonder what happened to him. He's probably, I'm guessing he's probably doing well because he was kind of a practical, had a practical mindset. He was a, a caddy uh, on the golf What's course. Ah, okay. Uh, yeah. He helped the golfers with yeah. carrying. Yeah, and he, I think he was making, so I'm guessing he's probably the kind of person who was probably doing well. But he was the only other person who spoke Russian. The next school that I went to, there was nobody who spoke Russian <laughs> okay. except for me. Um, and also, as far as school, I started 
uh, doing well in school, uh, maybe a year late, a year after moving or a year and a half. And um, I think I got uh, satisfaction from, right. from doing well in school initially. You- I had some problems too later with some classes, but... But you know. there's this like immigrant mentality of chasing the American dream, which is sold to people. Is that real? Do you believe that when immigrants come to America, they tend to have that extra desire to succeed and to assimilate, not just to assimilate, but to, they have that extra amount of pressure and less expectations from the people of America compared to other students. Because I kind of feel that. Mm -hmm. Because when I came here, even in academic setting, the expectations are less for me compared to the other Russians. Mm. But I kind of feel that mistakes I make are kind of remembered more mm-hmm. than if mm-hmm. like a normal Russian kind of makes it. How was how was it for you back in the United States? So do you feel like they they give you a break? Yeah, it's or, like they or, don't expect a lot. Oh, okay, yeah. In a way, yeah. not just for me, but from all students in Rudin who don't come. From yeah, Russia. you know, I feel like um, comparing Russia and the U.S. I think that uh, U.S. is much more rule based. Rule based. I think they. I didn't quite they, understand that. Um, well, I think that, for example, if you're taking a class, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if the teacher likes you or doesn't like. I mean, it's better if they like you. <laughs> but uh, I think it'll be mostly based on the quality of the work that you do. Right. I think it's true of school, of true of uh, university as well. Right. True of work. Right. So I think people um, people are tolerant of. You have so many different people in a place like New York that people are tolerant of your uniqueness, let's say, of your culture. But you have to do a good job. If you suck at what you do, I'm sorry. Well, yeah. You can't you talk like that. It's okay. Yeah. If you if you're not good at what you do, then it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter. So I think people start assessing you based on, you know, your merit or what or the quality of your work. And I feel like I feel like uh, maybe not all the time, but I feel like more so than than not. Uh, people just expect you to, you know, to perform uh, at a certain level. Yeah, regardless. Like if you do it, great. If not, I remember when I first started. Like I think uh, one teacher um, used me as an example of, oh, look at this this kid. I think she made a speech in front of the whole class. This uh, immigrant kid who's been here for a year, and he got. <laughs> I think I got like. <laughs> In 85 on the quiz and they got oh, okay. some other kids got like a 70 and she's like he's working so hard ah. but later later I think I didn't get any special treatment and you know I uh, I took uh, as far as high school I took the hardest uh, English because in America you, uh, and most schools you have different levels of oh. like uh, math English and I was lucky that my family and I convinced whoever it was at the school administration that I could be in gifted classes Gifted classes like highest levels for English. Yeah, for okay. everything. Okay. And I feel like I feel like that was just uh, uh, good sales, good marketing, hmm. <laughs> or not, whatever. But I'm saying I'm lucky because I was I was with the smarter kids. I mean, I like the kids who are regular kids too. That's fine. Right. But I was glad to be with uh, the really because smart that, kids. That meant you had to push yourself. Yeah, harder. yeah. I think it's good to be. I think if you if you are able to be surrounded by really you know people who are better than you in some ways right uh it's good even if you're not a genius yourself right i think if you surround yourself with people who are talented right it's better so i think in my case it was good um to have like the hardest thing and i think my teacher i mean of course my teacher you know knew that i, I came from russia but i don't think she gave me any breaks that's good and i got a like an a minus probably in the class and then i got uh sorry to brag but i got like a perfect score on the 
exam for you know for AP exam for universities. Wow, that's pretty. So I mean, nobody gave me any breaks, and she didn't give me any breaks. I and think. that 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 kind of helped you develop better. Yeah, I think so. And and I don't know for some reason. So yeah, yeah. I think at that point, like as kids get older, they respect each other based more on on merit. Mm. Or you know, I although I remember with the music, you know, I we played at our uh, what's it called talent show. Okay. And uh, I'm sure we sucked uh, probably. <laughs> and by this time, you have you didn't have like a Russian accent. I'm assuming by this time. Well, I think. Of- I think that uh, actually there, there's a video of me when I was about 18. You want to play that? No, not really. But I mean, you can find them. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's like if you're 13, uh, it's that kind of formative age. I mean, I, I probably spoke similarly to how I speak now. Oh, okay. That's really I mean, I don't know. Of course, uh, I don't know. But uh, you say when I was 18, did I have an accent? I mean, I think I probably do have a little bit of an accent. Uh-huh. But people tell me I have an accent in Russian too. So, uh-huh. because um, I... Uh, you know, if you're 13, it's that kind of transitional age yeah. that, I mean, I, I, I get all the time that I have an accent in Russian as well. Mm. So, I don't know. Um, I think it depends because also accents are such a thing that uh, people in different regions, you know. It depends. And, on uh, if you're in Virginia versus you're in California. New Orleans. They yeah. Are really cool and some people might might hear something unusual. And then there's also some Russian something creeping in, and they think, "Oh yeah, okay." But it could be partly, you know, New York. Right. I'm sure there's Russian in there, of course. I mean, there's right. always interference. But um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I think I think the way I speak is probably typical of somebody who moved to the U.S. when really? he was a I teenager. Can't tell. I, I, I don't know. You sound like you know, like all the Americans I listen to all the time. Honestly, I can't. Like, oh, okay. If, if you if you told me. Before we met that, you were from Russia. I uh-huh. mean, born and bred in Russia. I'm like, I wouldn't have guessed. Right. And I think it, uh, you know, I think uh, people speak differently too. Like if you listen to Christopher Walken. Oh, yeah. You know, he has an unusual manner of speaking. Yeah. Somebody might attribute your unusual manner of speaking to this factor, but it could be another factor. Right. But I, I mean, I speak Russian fluently as well. So, I mean, I would say I'm bilingual. Yeah. yeah. It's quite rare for Americans, isn't it? Uh, I think for immigrants, immigrants it's, it's okay, common. but like born and But I think uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, for a regular American who was yeah, yeah I think it's that's quite strange. But uh, my friend at Moscow State University, uh, she was born in America, mm. and yet she speaks Russian mm. fluently as well, and that's she learned impressive. it. That's impressive. Yeah, you should have her on your show. Learning Russian is so impressive. Would you like to invite her to? Yeah, to be on show? America Part Two. Well, <laughs> let's do a song then. Okay. <laughs> sure. The same one. Yeah. Okay. Let's go, let's go for the entire one this time. Okay. And then I guess if you want to ask me questions about it. Yeah, of I'll, course. Uh, no, no, after that, I'm going to ask you what a redneck is. You okay. explain to me that. Lured by the peanut butter scent, you walked into a trap. The bar snapped and hit your foot, and it could have been your neck. And I left you for dead, but you were having none of that. And twenty hours later crawled out of the corner still ensnared Didn't know what to do so I covered you with a wastebasket Put a piece of cardboard underneath Took you down to Astoria Park You were running small circles in the dark Wondering what was going on 
Book release now, how do you feel? How does freedom feel rushing through your bloodstream? Oh, 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 I know. And you got the whole world underneath your feet, and your eyes, and your mind, and your heart. So go on, scurry away now. You're going to live. Mousy, you're going to live. Mousy, you're going to thrive. Now to survive, you're going to live. You like my job, health, money, personal relationships, and almost everything I feel. Trapped and cornered, and I don't know if I can get out of here. But like you, I persevere. Like you, I persevere. You're going to live, Mousy. You're going to live, Mousy. You're going to thrive, not just survive. You're going to live. And if it cat eats you, what you gonna do by right now? You got yourself an unobstructed view of the Triborough Bridge and the Manhattan skyline. Something tells me you're gonna be just fine. Something tells me you're gonna be just fine. You're going to live, Mousy. You're going to live, Mousy. To survive, you're going to live. Oh, see. Damn. <laughs> I see. <you>. Thank you. <laughs> and did Mousy live? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It lived. No, it did lived. you really take a mouse and put it in Central Park? Yeah, yeah, it's not Central Park, it's Astoria Park. So it's a smaller park okay. in my neighborhood, in my old neighborhood. Okay. Yeah, it's a true story. And, uh, and uh, You're very considered to have the mouse, yeah? Uh, you know, actually, I, I hate, well, I, I, uh, I'm really afraid of mice, mm-hmm. and I really hated uh, these mice <laughs> that infested okay. uh, my apartment. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was basically just, um, I would say, at, at a breaking point. I was I was nearing I think a nervous breakdown due to these not like literally because I would come home and because of these um, these holes in the walls and stuff and the the floor right because I had an exposed brick wall uh, it's like Tom and Jerry shit yeah 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 and they were, <laughs> like a hole in the wall on yeah the but they were like you know small holes so right. you, but but they they got through it I mean mice are incredibly flexible Dude. and they can uh, crawl through like any space and I would come home and I would see a mouse and I would just be like sick to my stomach. <laughs> And um, I mm, confronted my uh, landlord, who's this old lady. Okay. And uh, I think she was afraid. Of the mice? Of me. Of because you? <laughs> I was so angry. I was so on edge. And so, this is actually like, I kind of hate mice. But uh, this mouse, you know, I didn't want to just throw it like, you know, uh, you know, in a plastic bag and yeah. throw it away. Because it got stuck in this corner. And then it, it, I left because again I was so just uh, depressed. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know if depressed is the right word, but just so upset. And I went to a bar and I came back, and this mouse, uh, it got out 
from the corner mm-hmm. and it was basically like uh, in front of this bookcase. And that's when I decided to uh, take it to the park and release it. And then when I was walking or maybe after, I'm not sure if it was on the way back. Right. I, I uh, came up with these lyrics wow. and I think that I worked on it. And then it's it's a big hit yeah. on the open mic scene. Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> it's a big hit on the open yeah. mic scene. Uh, the thing is, I have yet to record this song. Really? Uh, yeah, I'd like to. I do have some recordings. I have yeah. uh, two five song. Uh, I don't know if they're called EPs. I guess. Okay, where where do we find it? Well, I have one that's on uh, uh, Apple Music and what uh, iTunes. I leave it on the show notes. Oh, cool! Thank you, uh, Constantine, which is spelled with a K and no E. K O N S T I N T I N. K O N S T A N T I N. I think you spelled it right. And if you, yeah, and if you put fooling, like the the verb or gerund for English teachers out there, fooling could be a present participle, but in this case, it's a gerund. Probably gerund. I'm guessing. Fooling no one. Fooling and then no one. So it's like three words. With Constantine, fool. Constantine fooling, probably. I'm guessing if you put Constantine fooling, it will yeah, come up on Apple Music and yeah. uh, iTunes. I leave the links on the search. Thank you. Yeah, I recorded a while ago, but I'm actually really proud, especially of my the second one that I recorded. Which one? The last. It's like is, is that the one you just sent? No, this is newer than uh, than. But I maybe I'll play if you want. Yeah. We have time later. Yeah, I can play another U.S. Related song Perfect. about my life in uh, Los Angeles. I lived in Los Angeles so, for a couple of years, two and a half years. That's interesting because let's look at a little bit of geography of the United States because you have lived in quite a few number of places. Yeah. You initially moved to Virginia, which is on the East Coast, like south side of Washington, D.C. And then you said you lived in New York City, um, uh, Esteria. Astoria. Astoria. And mm-hmm. now, he's, now he's saying you he lived in Los Angeles. Yeah. Before Astoria, I lived in Los Angeles. Before Astoria. Where else have you lived in the United States? Uh, well, when we first came to the U.S., we lived in a suburb of Boston. Actually, two different suburbs of Boston and then Virginia. Okay. And then other than Virginia, um, it's in New York and uh, and L.A. That's it. Mm. Yeah. So, I, as far as I know, I think New York and Los Angeles are like two of the biggest cities in the United mm-hmm. States. And... How do you say it? One represents the financial might of America. The other represents the cultural hmm. uh, power. Of Which one is the financial? The New York. Okay. In terms of Wall Street and uh-huh. all that. And LA represents Hollywood and the mm-hmm. entertainment scene. Mm-hmm. What else is... What else... What are the other places in the United States that we don't get to hear about? I'm talking about like the Deep South, New Orleans, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. let's say places like New Hampshire, mm-hmm. the Rockies... Mm-hmm. Texas, mm. yeah, all these places. What if you could like summarize in the entire? How do you say geography? Which is quite hard because it's so mm-hmm. diverse. How yeah. do you say United States is divided based on geography and the people? Yeah, well, some people, you know, interestingly enough, we we have L.A. and New York, and some people refer to the other states as flyover states. <laughs> you know, you fly over. You just go through it. Yeah, you fly from New York to LA or from LA to New York. Of course, Washington D.C. is very significant for obvious reasons. It's a capital. Yeah, the capital. Of course, the government, the federal government, is there, right. uh, and so on. Um, you know, it's also significant economically. Right. Uh, places like Virginia, like Northern Virginia, is. <clears throat> pretty significant in terms of uh, the economy. I just I mean, know CIA headquarters is in Langley, Virginia. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, those areas are nice, I think. Like 
around uh, those parts. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I've ever been, I don't think I've been to Langley specifically, but that kind of Tyson's Corner, uh, what are some other towns there? Uh, f- f- not Fairfax, Fairfax, Tyson's Corner, Vienna, Vienna. You got to Vienna. <laughs> Vienna, yeah. So, I mean, they're all, all very nice areas, like a lot of, a lot of moolah, a lot of money. There's a lot of money there. I mean, in terms of nice houses, right. like beautiful shopping malls, right. nice places to get some lunch, nice sandwich, <laughs> like <laughs> cafes. No, I mean they're very nice areas, like right. around. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of money there. Actually, uh, you'd be surprised that a lot of money. Uh, as in you, if you're if you're rich, you can live there. It's not. Yeah, I mean you do have people who are not rich who live there, but I'm saying there are quite, I guess, a few people. Uh, those counties are quite mm. quite wealthy, and uh, you know some people do really well in terms of I don't know if they're lobbyists or if they work for right. government contractors. But I, I think that so it on. is more how do you say government related things, and it's like uh, how do you say it? like you said suburban area of Washington D.C. and things yeah. related to do with the government. And yeah, yeah. And if you go a little bit further, like if you go from from where we lived. Springfield. Um, later, Springfield? I'll live somewhere else. Isn't yeah. that Simpsons? Yeah. <laughs> there are many Springfields in the U.S. There's Springfield, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. There's Springfield, Virginia. I think there are probably many other Springfields. Springfield, it's like common. Homer Simpson lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. Yes, I think they chose it because it's a typical, typical suburban. American. Yeah. Name of a suburb in America. Yeah. yeah. And I definitely lived in uh, a few suburbs, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Uh, but suburbs, you know, especially nicer suburbs. Have good schools, right. so I feel very grateful right. for having had the opportunity to you know to go to good schools. Because later, I don't think I've told you this, but I was a substitute teacher in a couple of in New York, for example. I was a substitute teacher in New York, teaching English. Um, yeah, English and other things too. So okay. if you're a substitute, you're basically there uh, so that uh, there's somebody, an adult in the room. <laughs> Okay. You a lot of what you do is you take up space. Okay, you're a talking adult. Yeah, yeah, you're an adult who takes up space and right. then you're you're there. Uh, although it's it's actually it's hard to become a substitute teacher in New York, surprisingly. Really? Now, yeah, I was a substitute teacher in uh, Virginia as well. Okay, it's very different. So I know also about schools from that perspective. Right. So mm-hmm. let's go further south. What about places like Miami and Florida? What's cool there? Well, Miami is like is awesome. I think it's it's all. I think what what your question about the um, sort of geography is. Yeah, Miami is very interesting and uh, it has its own culture. I think a lot of these states, even cities, have their own culture. I think New York culture is different mm-hmm. from LA culture, is different from Miami culture, right. from DC culture, and I think people, you know, they're very aware of this. Right. Um, Sometimes you know there's sort of uh, this rivalry or East Coast West Coast yeah rap rivalry like oh that was horrible I think it's <laughs> I think it's horrible when when it manifests itself in those kinds yeah. of ways that was very sad and, and I'm, that's I'm how glad. I kind of realized that there were like two different yeah. sides to even the rap scene in the yeah. United States I'm really glad that's over and, <laughs> and I think I think that it's good that it's over and I I really appreciate the fact that uh, a lot of you know, people like rappers and people yeah, in the rap industry are businessmen. I think that being a businessman makes you, a, a, not all, all the time, but oftentimes makes you act uh, like a better person. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because I think that if you're, let's say you have a business where you sell yeah. sandwiches, like this yeah, lovely place. You have something there. at stake. Yeah, yeah good. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I agree. You have something at stake and you have to be nice to your business partners. And your rivals too. You have to play by the rules of the game. Right, right. Especially if it's like a longer term exactly. uh, endeavor. You, you can't be a dick. Denver? Endeavor. 
Endeavor? Yeah, like if it's an endeavor that which is oh, okay, endeavor, uh, you know, if it's a project which is long term as right. opposed to, like I, I don't know, I think that there's a big difference between a short term kind of business, like for exactly. example, a business where tourists come and you right, can right, give right. them crappy food and yeah, they leave and whatever yeah. or you crappy don't have to see them ever again yeah but if it's more long if it's more long term then i think you have to be nice to people exactly and my point with that is that yes my point was that i think that now that it's more about business i think it's very good you know i'm very much in favor of business uh because i think it makes us better people mm. better societies that's that's like a libertarian perspective of yeah stuff right yeah like, yeah, I've become less like that. I think yeah. I think I was really extremely like that in the oh, past. Okay. I think now I'm a little bit more balanced. Uh-huh. But I think, um, you know, I think primarily I believe uh, at, at my core, I believe in, in that, in mm. that, you know, sort of. Like free market and free and competition is actually a good thing and cannot, like, uh, the net positive is like always positive. Yeah, system. yeah. I think when we have incentives for people to be productive mm-hmm. and to do well. I think everybody wants to do well. I mean, that's an exaggeration, but I think mostly, I think mm-hmm. people want to be self-sufficient and, and be successful. I think everybody, most people I think would want to choose to do well and not do well financially. I think right. uh, people would choose to do well. Yeah. Yeah. My point with that is that with rap, I think it's good that the focus now is on money <laughs> as opposed to shooting people. I think that the fact that now, like it's about, you know, uh, doing a clothing line, yeah. sneakers, you know, yeah. the Yeezys. I, I'm all like, I'm in awe of that. I think it's, but he's, he's ridiculous. I think this uh, Kanye was ridiculous. But, but I think he's also awesome. He's, yeah. he's great. Guy's got influence. He almost ran for the president of the United States. Yeah, I think he actually ran. Yeah. yeah. He ran. He what? He did. But, well, okay, he almost ran. I think you're right. He almost ran. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was on the ballot somewhere. Yeah, but, he was on the ballot somewhere. But yeah, I, yeah. Mean, I don't think he got like the final accredita- accreditation. I don't know. Right. And now he's divorcing, of course, as, yeah. as, you, listeners, as you listeners well know. <laughs> he's, uh, I believe he's divorcing. Uh, he and uh, Kim, Kim, Kardashian. Kim Kardashian are divorcing. Yeah. Unfortunately. Oh, I don't know. Fortunately, unfortunately. But I mean, in all honesty, I think it's great that now it's more about business. I think business is... Mostly positive. I think there are, sometimes there are, of course, bad things. But what about the quality of the rap? Do you think it has gone down since the 90s? Because I don't listen to rap anymore. Because it's all these kids with colored hair doing, selling yeah. sneakers. And I, I don't know, man. I, I, last How old are you? I'm 24. 24, okay. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't know. My, like, I don't know. Last rap album I listened to must be... Eminem when he was dissing the Machine Machine Gun Kelly. Machine Gun Kelly. Oh, really? That oh. was a rap album. Last rap album I listened to. After that, I, ha- I don't listen to any of the new kids because yeah. I feel old saying that, but I can. I don't know, yeah. Maybe it's a generation thing. What about you? Well, I think the last rap I listened to, you know, sort of in earnest or whatever, it was uh, probably. I was really into Dr. Dre yeah. and Eminem. Back when they came out, but not came out, not, not, not in the sense of came out, you know, nothing controversial. Because <laughs> <laughs> they, they they say about Dre, you know, wearing makeup back in the day and stuff. Oh, it's, it's bullshit. But really? but he, yeah, you know, like because uh, he was a glam oh, rapper. Really? Oh, back NWA days before, even before, before, yeah, before. Oh, okay. He was. You didn't know about that? No, that, I didn't know about that. that. He was like a glam, really musician. He's like those disc jockeys who like dress up. Like Prince, in a way. Like Prince. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. you know, there was the whole... I think it's... 
I don't know if you're aware of this time, um, but in the 80s, there was sort of glam rock. I, I, I'm imagining Prince when you say that. Well, yeah, of course, Prince is, yeah, he's a kind of a, I don't know if he's, he's like crossover art. He's a, all kinds of genres. Right. I mean, he's rock, he's R&B, he's funk. Yeah. Brilliant, right? I love I love Prince, actually. Yeah. I feel very sad that he died. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I've seen him in concert. Really? And I'm really, yeah, I feel uh, blessed <laughs> to use a Prince word. <laughs> I, mean, I feel blessed. Actually, I do feel blessed. Uh, that I, I had a chance to see him at uh, Madison Square Garden. Wow, you saw him in Madison Square Garden? Yeah. Damn. That was awesome and uh, phenomenal. What I was going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Glam, definitely. Yeah, Prince is definitely Glam and he kind of maintained that. Um, that particular pers- personage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of look, that kind of, yeah. That it's personage kind of, in English word? Personage. Persona? Oh, yeah. Dude. I, personage, persona. Yeah, persona would be like, sort of, he did have a specific yeah. persona. Um, yeah, and that whole uh, look, I guess, or his style, he, he maintained it even after maybe it wasn't as popular anymore because it was his right. own unique thing. But I think in the 80s, we had hair metal bands and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I imagine we also had glam R&B outfits right. that Dr. Dre was a part of, I think. Right. They had the kind of earrings and yeah. kind of, uh, you know, parachute pants. <laughs> probably probably like uh, bracelets. Well, kind of like women's bracelets. Maybe like some eyeliner. Maybe some eyeliner. Yeah, <laughs> Probably dude. some lipstick. Can't imagine Dr. Dre like that now. So, yeah, he was like... And then, and then with NWA, he was kind of had Get, The gangster vibe. You have to bring the gangster vibe in your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think... But in, in reality, I think what I'm trying to say is that I think it's good not to be a gangster... And make music. Make music and, and make money. If you make money, great. I mean, okay, if you don't want to make money, it's also fine. <laughs> I mean, right, if you just want to perform and do right. it for not, – that's also valid. I don't think you have to make money. Right. But I think it's better to be a businessman than to be a gangster. Yeah. So, I really like that transition mm. from shooting to now just making money and the fact that I, – I don't want to get too controversial. But uh, the fact that Please. some people are in prison, mm-hmm. it's, that's where they belong. Mm-hmm. You know, And uh, I think it's good to – it's good to be a good citizen mm-hmm. and, and not to, you know, create problems for other people. All right. Let people have a good life, have a nice, nice house or whatever and, <laughs> and make feel money. safe. Yeah. I mean, I think like making money, I think it's, that's not everything. I think it's okay if you don't want to make money. So would you agree with the old, not old, like it's like this accusation against, accusation against uh, cancer rap that it encourages violence and and what what would be your argument that it kind of it's a part of American society, yeah, uh, gangster rap and rap in general, and it does encourage like disrespecting women, gun violence, mm-hmm. and all that. Because I kind of grew up listening to all that. Mm-hmm. How would you like treat that? In in another sense, it's kind of a particular part of the identity of African American culture too. So how would you like balance both both those arguments? I think that um, in art, I think we should have freedom of expression, and I think that um, I, I think that some songs, rock songs, rap songs, I think they uh, to some extent they convey you know wrong values, and it's not just rap; it's also rock music. You know, I think some Nirvana songs or some, I don't know if you know this band, but um, Alice in Chains, are you familiar with this no, band? No, no. It's a great band, a wonderful band. Or even uh, Stone Temple Pilots. It's very old. I don't know if your no. listeners know this. But, um, no, no. Um, but anyway, I think like we have songs about drugs that I think are, are bad. But some songs about these things are great songs. 
Mm-hmm. You know, the songs are great. <laughs> the songs are great, and I think that if you take art uh, as art, I don't think it's a problem. Right. I think I think the problem is that one of the problems is that people uh, take it literally, right? And then they say, okay, this person said this, so I should treat people. Uh, you know, I should whatever kill people or something. <laughs> yeah, uh, I should I should go um, you know rob a, a store. Whatever. I think that's a problem. But I think it's a problem of stupidity. I think that somebody not being able to separate the real world from art. Because ultimately, even if you don't like this rap song, it's still art. Yeah. Even if it's shitty art, it's still art. Or if it's good art, it could be good art, it could be bad art. So I think the problem is that, uh, you know, it's dumb people misinterpreting stuff. Right. Uh, misinterpreting specifically, not being able to differentiate between art and life. Right. Because oftentimes what's good in life is not good in art. Because... Usually things that are good in life, actually, I'm not sure what's this right. This is going out on the limb. But I think that um, sometimes life is boring and it's good that it's boring. Mm-hmm. But if art is boring, it's it's shit, right? It's garbage. Yeah. That so, makes sense. Like, although, yeah. Although I don't know if, is, if a boring life is good. But in some ways, a boring life is it's stable. Stable. But if yeah. you have an art, that's horrible, right? Yeah. If so, you don't like push boundaries in art, right, then right. kind of yeah. stagnates. Yeah. There's no point. You don't feel like yeah, consuming yeah. It. So I feel like uh, I think what I meant is that I think art when art is dangerous, I think it's probably great. Like mm. it's exciting, but and life has to be a little more balanced. Yeah. I think and know? stable, and you need to be in a place of stability to appreciate the extremes in the art too, because it's yeah. taking you to places where normally you wouldn't go. But in an abstract sense, you are going there through the art. It's yeah. just kind of cathartic. Yeah, catharsis. yeah, yeah. The Russians come. Yeah, <laughs> catharsis. In Russian, catharsis. In English, catharsis. The no, in in Russian, how is it? Catharsis. Ka, ka, oh, maybe I'm wrong. Catharsis? I want to say catharsis, but maybe I'm wrong. In in English, it's catharsis. Catharsis, and yeah. I want to say in Russian, it's catharsis. Okay, but maybe I'm actually. Is it, I ha, is it ha? No, it's katharsis. Catharsis. Okay. I want to say catharsis, but I could be wrong. Oh Jesus! This is this is the thing, man. Like sometimes some Russian words come into me, and I'm like, I want to say catharsis in in Russian and catharsis in English. Let's check. If I were if I were betting, I think I would say and that catharsis. Catharsis, right? Yeah. yeah. And then yeah, catharsis. Uh huh. That's right. That's right. Catharsis. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she's good. I worked. Uh, I worked at Google, by the way. Really? On yeah. What I worked work? on that uh, voice. No, maybe I'm not sure if it's this voice. Let me see. So you're person. saying Google sounds like you? No, that's that's a woman. Catharsis. That's me in very tight underwear. <laughs> I don't know if it's the same woman, but we worked on um, the Russian voice at Google. What did you do? Uh, well, like we worked with. Uh, Actually, I don't know if I can, because I think Google might listen to it. <laughs> I have non-disclosure agreements. <laughs> really? But we, we listened to the recordings and, and we did check. quality control. Ah, okay. And that was a part of, uh, one part of the job, but there were many other aspects. Oh, okay. But that was uh, one of the first things that we did is listen to recordings of somebody's voice. Uh-huh. And, you know, like doing quality control, like uh, making sure the sounds Sound. were good. Oh, and the intonation, yeah, and the, the and accent, the pronunciation, yeah. The, oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, we did many other things too. So I was there for a year in New York. Oh, you? Oh, you working Google in the United States? Yeah, I thought you were working in the Russian. Oh no, no. it was interesting enough. It was a Russian language project, but in New York. Oh, okay. <laughs> then Russian-speaking Americans are in high demand. Then, uh, I mean, well, you were in the United States, so I made the work. I I was lucky enough to find it. 
Yeah, oh, the job found you. <laughs> uh, no, I found it. Like I found a few later on. I I found uh, a few jobs, you know, um, that where I use my Russian language skills, mm. such as the one at Google. Uh, that and then that teaching really Russian. Because my language is Malayalam, man. That's like a minority language in India. Like not even how people want people. How do you, what do you call it? Malayalam. Malayalam. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Malayalam. Actually. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It's like. Honestly, we our state is like 35 million people which is like the population of Poland. Mm-hmm. But in India that's nothing. That's like a minority. So not a lot of people wanted our movie industry just has that limited audience so there's not a lot of money in our movie industry. So I don't know. If I spoke Hindi then the opportunities would have been much more because mm-hmm. almost 600 million people speak it mm-hmm. and in foreign countries like even in Russia if you're like a Russian speaking and Hindi speaking person there's like a lot more opportunities but um you don't speak Hindi right I don't speak Hindi oh, okay yeah interesting <laughs> that's that's like the idiosyncrasies of Indian languages it's just another world by itself but where you from uh, Malayalam, Malayalam Kerala that's the state which speaks Malayalam oh so the whole state speaks yes oh wow yeah. I didn't know that interesting yeah. It, almost all Indian states are formed on linguistic lines mm-hmm. like American states are formed based as far as I know like based on former colonies at least in the eastern coast right mm-hmm. in Indian states are formed based on which language is spoken in this particular hmm. state but in the northern side a lot of the states have one common language which is like Hindi uh-huh. or Urdu but in the southern state we don't have like one common language each state has its own language but they're kind of similar like Ukrainian mm-hmm. Russian Belarusian mm-hmm. and even but it's not as similar as Ukrainian and Russian as far as I mm-hmm. can understand Mm-hmm. So it's like that's why we need English so much because if we need to have a conversation with anyone from a different state, mm-hmm. English kind of acts like the common bridge. So is English? Uh, does everybody speak English? And depends Carolina? on your level of education. At least mm-hmm. in my generation, I think most people are able to understand English mm-hmm. quite decently, speak it to a considerably good extent. Mm-hmm. But all the generations, it's not as mm-hmm. commonplace because. the amount of education as each generation progresses mm-hmm. more people get educated and the level of english also increases so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i hope it continues like that <laughs> interesting yeah. yeah yeah so let's get back to america i i feel like uh, on the one hand i want to ask you questions but the, on the other <laughs> hand i feel like you were like you know you're the host so i should ask you to make questions let <laughs> no, me know let no. me know if it's not the case. no like ask me a question <laughs> okay if you're curious then ask me come on What you, what uh well actually I don't know what what do you have you told your audience what you're studying and stuff like that? Uh yeah, like have, I have an intro where that? I say oh, I'm okay. like a journalist student in the Okay. Okay, okay. Journal, okay journalist. So it's related to this is a related activity yeah, asking like okay. Got it. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Have you told them why you came to Moscow? Not How really. You chose? No. Not really. I don't know. I, oh, that's kind of a how to say long journey. Oh, okay. I don't know, but I I will explain it to the audience at one point. Okay, yeah. got it, got it, <laughs> got it. Okay, so uh, let's get to redneck country. Yeah, why? What's the difference between redneck and an average American? Uh, why, well, do think, you, why do you call them rednecks? Uh, well, I think the the actual word uh, comes from you know having a redneck from being a farmer, and then you're out in the sun. Oh, redneck means you work in the sun for a long time. Yeah, I think that's where it came from initially. Is that you know if you were a farmer, you're uh, a redneck from that. Okay. But then, of course, uh, a word's origins is not necessarily the meaning now. So now it's just somebody who's maybe from the south, mm-hmm. not very sophisticated. Why is that? Why do people in the south? Why are people in the south not considered sophisticated? 
I think it's a stereotype mm-hmm. on the one hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, it's you know again sort of this idea of flyover states or um, sort of feeling like cultures in New York and maybe LA to some extent, right? And money and and money also, of course, New York, LA, uh, places like that. So I think poverty. I think that people um, people stigmatize poverty, and so if somebody lives in a trailer, you know, they say, right? That's some. It's it can be funny too, though, because some people play with this with these kinds of stereotypes, like Louis C.K. for mm-hmm. example. I think many other people uh, play with these kinds of stereotypes. Um, that you know, if you're southern, uh, you're from you know there was a civil war, and I think this, since the South was defeated, uh, there was a lot of uh, economic. There were a lot of economic problems, I think. Uh, that, that, does that still carry over today? I think now it's changing because I think many states like South Carolina, North Carolina, sort of southern states, Georgia. Isn't that where Michael Jordan's from? Uh, where is he from? North Carolina? Maybe. Maybe. I'm not sure, but maybe. Mm-hmm. Sounds right. Uh, some of them are doing really well mm-hmm. uh, you know, because of – okay, I don't want to get political, but I think partly because of business-friendly – Mm-hmm. You know, governors of states mm-hmm. and encouraging you know business development. I think also, I think nowadays with um, you know with remote work, you can work from anywhere. Uh, having you know good universities, like the, there's some good universities in North Carolina has UNC Chapel Hill. Um, it's a southern state, uh, North Carolina. Um, Georgia, I think, has Georgia Tech and a bunch of others. So Georgia is quite beautiful, actually, like Atlanta, Atlanta, yeah. other Savannah. Savannah is beautiful. Atlanta is in Georgia, right? Atlanta, yeah, that's, that's like for me. That's a really interesting a city because there's a football team called Atlanta United, and they're oh, like okay. one, of, one of the more interesting teams in terms of fan culture. And they're from Atlanta, Atlanta Georgia. Yes. And, okay. And like the fan groups are like European. They kind of do chants and okay. they also have this barbecue culture, if I'm not wrong. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Basically. Southern barbecue. Yeah. yeah. I think nowadays, like, uh, so I think that some of those places were poor. I'm sort of really painting it with broad strokes, but mm-hmm. um, I think that, first of all, it has changed because now the some of those places are doing much better. Right. You know, they have good universities. They develop the economy. Uh, people want to live there because, you know, it's nice. It's not as expensive as New York. Maybe right. there's more space and uh, nature, stuff like that. So how, um, how's the demography, if I may ask? Because like, as, as I, how we studied in India, most of the slave-owning states were in the South. Yeah. Before the uh, Civil War. Right. So is are the most amount of African-Americans concentrated in the South? Or did they like migrate to the big cities and the Southern states are more like you said? A redneck is not usually an African-American, if I'm not mistaken. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So... How would the demographic be right now? Oh, wait. Excuse us. That's the one hour 30 mark. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. That's long. Can you continue for 30 more minutes if sure. it's okay with okay, you? Okay, yeah, sure. Okay, then let's go. Okay. Yeah, uh, it's a good question. I think that um, without looking at the statistics, I would have to sort of just speak from my impressions. All right. And, uh, you know, when you go to the South, I think you do see a lot of African-American people and a lot of white people too. Unfortunately, the way it is now uh, is usually if you have a area that's more economically uh, well-to-do, it will have a mix of people. Mm-hmm. So, it won't be predominantly African-American. It will have a mix. Uh, and I think that might be a remnant of you know those times of slavery and reconstruction and all those you know consequences of uh, that kind of inequality 
Uh-huh. That that was the norm. That was that was the law back then. Right. So I mean, there are a lot of African Americans in the South. Uh, there are also a lot of African Americans in big cities uh, because you know they probably went there for opportunities. Right. Be it you know soon after the Civil War or later. Right. So I think you have a mix. I think uh, in the general population, I want to say that it's like twelve percent African American or maybe fourteen. And, uh, and then I think you, you will find that you can look by state, but you can also look within communities in a certain state. I mean, as you go to different communities, you might see more African-Americans in one community and fewer in another community. Mm-hmm. And it will, I, I think that it's not uh, controversial to say that you will have a discrepancy in terms of, uh, you know, average income. Because right. typically if you have a neighborhood or a town which is mostly African-American, uh, it probably not be usually will not be affluent. There may be exceptions. What um, would you attribute that to? Yeah, I think the, if I If I can make a guess, it's like since they haven't had the educational opportunities which a few generations back, mm-hmm. that kind of trickled down right now and only in the last, let's say, let's say since the 60s has educational opportunities opened up for them yeah. would you agree to that what, what's your yeah I think yeah I think it's inertia I think that if you're middle class mm-hmm. it's easier for you to stay middle class mm-hmm. if you're you know well to do it's easier for you to stay well to do in the next generation right. uh, whereas if you come from a poor family it takes uh, more of an extraordinary person mm. to uh, you know to reach the the next level or or some people have reached, you know, five levels or ten levels above right. where their parents were. So it just takes it just takes a lot of, I think, perseverance and hard work. And it's not easy. For some people, it's easy. I mean, if you look at somewhere, I think presidents, you look at President George Bush. Right. Okay, about to be political again. But I don't think that's an extraordinary man. I think it's a regular guy uh, who won the lottery in terms of having, you know, the right parents. Right. And for somebody like that, I think if this person were African-American, I don't think he would have... <laughs> okay, I'm not saying okay. If, if if he was Jay Z's son, he would have also done well. <laughs> but if he came from you know like uh, the project, so to speak, Kamala Harris, for example, where Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris. Oh, is, did she come from a no, no, no like tough her, her mom is from India. Dad oh, is wow. yeah. You, you didn't know that? No, no. I I okay. I I knew that one of the parents was from India yeah. and one is from... she's from like the state that I used to study my university. Okay. Oh wow, Chennai. Cool. And her dad is African American. Okay. Yeah, and that is not the kind of profile, like you said. That's not like George Bush. Yeah. At the same time, like I mean, she could have come from a like if my if I came from a family where Oprah mm-hmm. was one of the parents yeah. and the other was uh, Kanye West. Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. Whatever. Whoever. Yeah. I'm saying like there there are some African American people who are who are old you know ultra successful. Right. And there's some white. You said the rednecks. Redneck mostly has to do with being southern and being poor. I think and and not being very very well educated. Um, but I think in terms of inertia, I think if you come from a certain background, it's easier to uh, keep you know kind of stay in the same in the same lane right. and stay you know in the same kind of do similar to similar things that your parents did. I think right. it, it takes an extraordinary person to, to do better. Break out of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But how uh, has the momentum been? Has a lot of people from those lower backgrounds over the past few decades, have they been able to break that ceiling and get onto the middle class? Or is the trend kind of reversing where 
it's yeah. kind of stagnant. Or how would you say? Yeah, it's a good issue again in terms of statistics. Uh, I think it's, it has to. You know, I think we have to. We should probably verify it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my impression is that I think there are probably more opportunities because I think that there's. You know, I think in the 1960s, for example, it was a totally different situation. If we look, you know, how many years? That would be 60 years ago. Yeah. Uh, when schools weren't even integrated, you know, and you mean, it like was, there's African American school and there's a white. Like, yeah, school. and yeah. I guess uh, African American kids, black kids, couldn't attend uh, the same universities. Right. And now it's it's not like that. Mm. So I think now... Um, but 60 years is not a long time. No, it's not. But right yeah. now it's kind of unimaginable to have that kind of segregation. Right, right. If you look at, uh, maybe it's an interesting fact, uh, at the Pentagon, mm-hmm. which I, I've never been to, but there are twice as many bathrooms as, as needed because really? they had bathrooms for blacks wow. and for whites. That's, yep. that's interesting. And that's 1948 or something, 49, I'm not sure. Can I make an observation? Because in all the American war movies I've seen, especially World War II movies, the amount of African-Americans are basically none. Really? Really. Oh. Saving Private Ryan. I haven't seen one black person in that movie, but 16% of the American population, like you just said, mm-hmm. is African-American. Mm-hmm. So, but in Vietnam, it kind of switched. There are more African-American representation, at least in movies. I don't know what the real mm-hmm. statistics mm-hmm. were. Why would you attribute that? Because, I don't know, if you're going to war... Yeah. Usually, it's the like is it, like you said, the redneck population, or not the ones who are highly edu- ed- educated, and not the ones who have a lot of economic opportunity that usually go as mm-hmm. food soldiers. Yeah. But in the Second World War, mm-hmm. I'm just basing this on anecdotal evidence from movies from Hollywood. I don't mm-hmm. know what the reality was. What would you? What would your theory on that be? Why was so less African Americans represented in the Second World War, even though they were the lowest start of the economy, economy mm-hmm. and we're 16 point something percent of the population. Yeah, I'm wondering if at that time, if uh, there was segregation in the army. Even in the army. I'm trying to think. Oh, I, I'm not sure. It's a good question. I'm not sure because I, I don't know what what movies specifically. I mean, uh, I think that, of course, yeah, I don't really have the answer to that. I think my, uh, if I were to guess, I'm, maybe there were regiments that were African-American. But I, but I don't know if that's accurate. I don't know if that's... I don't want to make that claim because I could be wrong. Right. I mean, that's a possibility, but I'm not sure if that's right. But that's a question I always ask myself. All American Mm -hmm. war movies, there's like very few black people in it. Interesting. World War II movies. But now, of course, there's a trend of, uh, you know, like something like a different movie. Like maybe you have a movie of about, uh, I don't know, the Middle Ages or something and you wouldn't have any African-Americans. But now I think now... There's a trend that we want to have. Yeah, cultural inclusion. So everywhere. Yeah. You, you, yeah. you make Jesus black. <laughs> well, I think there's such a thing as black Jesus, uh, you know, that for some people. In North America, right? Yeah, I think a- some, there's some community. churches. Yeah, yeah I think it's probably an interesting point because, you know, uh, yeah, I think I think some there's some churches that I think do, you know, think that Jesus is, is was black, which, may, which maybe it contradicts. Some things, but at the same yeah. time, I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> I, I don't know. If, I don't know if it, I don't know if I have a problem with that. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think it matters. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's controversial to say, but no, I, but I also, you know, they, they usually when they depict Jesus, I think uh, white people, regular white people, they depict them as white being very white. But he was Jewish. Why don't yeah. they make he, him he's more in the Jewish? Middle East? He's in the Middle East. They should make him a little more Jewish. Dude, even, I'm kidding. Even, but why not? I yeah. mean, that would be accurate, right? To make him a little... Dude, like, it's kind of like even 
we, I mean, Christians in India also worship a white person as Jesus, but he's actually... Are you Christian? I'm not Christian. Oh, okay. But I have a lot of Christian friends. So I, I always find it strange as as I grow to learn more about the story that other people don't look like Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm saying like if we depict... Je- okay, this, this is not meant to be controversial yeah. at all, but I think if we depict Jesus sort of in our own image, yeah. if that's, of course... You know, I think he probably doesn't have a typical appearance because, right. you know, uh, then why is it wrong for an African-American community, exactly. religious community to depict him in a way that's similar to how they look? I mean, that's but it, it seems similar. Yeah. And it's also an instrument of colonialism because if you say God looks like the person who's colonizing you, mm-hmm. you're kind of implying that that the colonizer is yeah. better than you or more divine yeah. than you. Yeah, it kind of, it was kind of used as a interesting, uh, yeah, um, as an instrument for that. Uh huh. Uh huh. It's just strange. <laughs> yeah. So I I don't know. I think that uh, of course it touches subject because people yeah. people feel very strongly about religions. Yeah. And uh, it's a very personal thing for many people, which uh, which I don't have a problem. I don't think I have a problem with like I never thought about it before, mm-hmm. but I think I've realized now. Mm-hmm. I had some insight into my own thoughts that I don't have a problem with Black Jesus. I think it's fine. Yeah. I think he's. I'm on board with, <laughs> with, with both. Jesus. I'm not saying I'm only on board with Black Jesus, but right. Black Jesus as well as well as white or whatever other. So doesn't, that doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> it, how to say? I'm sort of joking, but sort of not. I mean, I, I do. Mm. I think it's fine. So again, if you're talking about the religious thing, mm-hmm. it kind of reflects this urban rural divide in America if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken where the rural side is more religious and mm. the urban sides are more liberal could you explain what do you think is the reason why cities become more liberal in America mm-hmm. but the rural states the southern states are more conservative more religious mm-hmm. more anti-abortion more anti-marijuana anti-gay rights and all mm-hmm. that stuff but mm-hmm. the cities they become very liberal mm-hmm. pro-choice uh, highly diversified and integrate more po- positive towards immigration. Mm. What could be the reason for that? Yeah, this urban versus rural divide in this yeah. change of mindset. Yeah, I think that uh, in many cities nowadays we have a lot of young people. I think young people tend to hold more liberal views. But uh, old people were young people once upon a time. Yeah, 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 yeah. So maybe they'll become more conservative later. <laughs> I don't know, um, but it seems like that's the trend. Like a, a place like DC, for example, or New York, or LA. I think they're all very liberal. San Francisco, I think they're all very liberal. Mm-hmm. And Nashville, uh, Nashville, I don't know. Uh, it's the South, but at the same time, I it's know there. But I know there are a lot of probably young people too, and uh, I know like in Texas, Austin Austin's is kind of more liberal, liberal, but Houston's not. Oh right, yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah. No, yeah. let's no I'm not saying it's not, but relatively. Yeah. And I think that, you know, especially among people who hold kind of more liberal views, they look at people who hold more conservative views as being backwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, being uh unsophisticated, maybe, lacking less empathy. Maybe. Maybe it's all of those things. Maybe lacking empathy, maybe, you know, not being smart, right. <laughs> being whatever. All those things. Um you know, not being actually now there's the usual sort woke, which yeah. I, I don't know if I'm a fan. <laughs> Maybe I think it's like I have mixed feelings. Me too. Woke, but because uh, it seems dishonest. I mean, it seems insincere. 
Yeah. In a way. In a way. But another thing is sort of really labeling people as, you know, this is woke, this is not woke. And um, I guess I'm not a fan of, you know, I think that we should be tolerant of people's views. Even on both extremes, not just liberal side. Yeah. I think we should be tolerant of, of why somebody would you know, disagree with uh, with that point of view. Right. And I think some points of view are, some liberal points of view maybe are, are good. For example, like, uh, you know, some conservative points of view are, are quite extreme and maybe wrong. But I think some liberal points of view are also like, we have to take all this stuff as sort of gospel. Right. Or otherwise we're not woke or we're not, yeah, or we're, I don't know, we're backwards. That's we're, like conservatism, but from a liberal side. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it's very, very dogmatic. Yeah, dog, dogmatism. Which, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think like, for example, like nowadays, a very, I think it's sort of controversial, sort of not, but to, to cite one example, um, you know, defund the police. Yeah. You know, we were supposed to believe this narrative of defund the police. It's going to solve all the problems. Yeah. And you like know what, what the uh, statistics that I checked recently, well, there was an article about uh, Portland mm-hmm. and that its crime rate, its murder rate shot up uh, a thousand percent. After what? After defunding, partly defunding the police. Just so that defunding the police meaning there won't be a police department at all or? Just reducing the budget. Reducing the budget. Yeah. Yeah. So giving them less money. Okay. So they they sort of went, they went along with uh, the, I don't know, the the suggestion, so to speak, or pressure to defund the police. How does Partly? No. In opposition to the police targeting a sub- a particular minority group. Yeah, allegedly. Allegedly. Because I don't know if I I don't know if I agree with that narrative. And I'm not saying I disagree with that narrative, but I don't think we should take that narrative as gospel mm-hmm. without, you know, without questioning it. Right. Because there could be many other more plausible explanations for why, you know. I'm, okay, I don't want to accept at face value that the, the police is a racist institution. And I right. think that uh, our, like, liberal... Dogma tells us that right. okay, police, and then the thing is that young people and maybe old people, everybody, I think nobody really wants to think too much. Right. Who wants to think too much? You want to maybe smoke a little marijuana, marijuana, <laughs> drink a little beer, whatever, have fun, right. and then if you're out with with uh, other people who think like you, uh, protesting, it's an echo chamber. There's no opposition. Yeah, I agree. I, opinion that can challenge your beliefs. I agree because I think that the world is more complicated. Than, um, than basically going and protesting, and those people have easy answers, mm. you know. But the answers probably aren't easy. Like there are never easy. Yeah, there are real reasons for why you know, and and the the main thing is that I think the conclusions are are false. I think that uh, if you just look at okay, the conclusion is defund the police. Things will get better. Well, you can see they did this and it got worse. So. It seemed like it's obvious they would get worse, but you can see the results that that this kind of wishful thinking, like the idea was that we're going to have more outreach programs yeah. in neighborhoods. But that takes time. It's not going to like instantly solve the problem, but that's what people yeah. want. Yeah, oh, that, that's a valid point too. Maybe it will take time. So maybe you have to do that in addition to exactly. funding, the, you know, providing funding for police. Um, but that wasn't the right solution, I think. And um, but. It, since we're talking on the police topic, America has the highest incarceration rate in the world, mm-hmm. and the I, I believe the largest amount of prisoners. Mm-hmm. And you even have this concept of private prisons, mm-hmm. which, for an Indian perspective, is like completely foreign. It's like 
are you doing in private prisons? Because they consider like the law to be exclusively an instrument of the state. Mm-hmm. So, and in the prison population, it's disproportionately minority groups, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And again, we can look at it through the sense of when you are less educated, you're more likely to be influenced by, you know, a crime and the gang culture. And that kind of puts you in a situation where you're more likely to end up in prison. But why would you attribute this need for or this situation where you have the highest amount of criminals in the world? Hmm. What would you attribute that? And is that kind of the solution or is that kind of an effective system to maintain law and order? Yeah, I think there's mostly law and order in the U.S. I think that what what happened uh, recently, I think, was an exception to the rule, you know, with all the looting and all the kind of stuff. I think the U.S. is a place where uh, the justice system is pretty fair. I don't think there's a lot of undue influence from, you know, from other places or or uh, other institutions. Right. So I think that basically uh, they follow the law and they follow, you know, the legal process of, uh, you know, if somebody is on trial, they find them guilty. So what is the, what is, what are the consequences? If it's a prison term, then it's a prison term. So I think they, they basically follow the, the rules of what, you know, it's, is expected of judges of juries. And, uh, that's why I, I don't know. I'm, and I think that as far as private prisons, I think that it's a way to, solve a problem which is you know they need more space and then other other people step in and they make money those those private prisons no that's the thing they make money how why do you need so much space why do so many people like get arrested and go to prison compared oh. to other countries so is it more is it a bigger percent of the population I, it's a big country i don't know <laughs> 325 Million people, mm-hmm. as, okay, is like population of America. Okay. One point four is our population. Billion is our population, but America has more. One point four billion, billion is the population of, of India. Of India, one point four billion. Yeah. Wow. There's a lot of people. Wow. But like, and how many people are in prison? Not as much as America. Oh, really? Yeah. Wait, so the population of of India is uh, like three, three or four times. Yeah. The population of the US. United and States. you have fewer prisoners, so yes. there are a lot more prisoners. Um, interesting. Do you think maybe the U.S. Uh, legal system is better at catching criminals and punishing them? From what I read, it's more of most of the prisoners who go to prison in the United States are for drug charges. Okay. And that kind of reflects on minority communities who mm-hmm. consume and mm-hmm. sell the drugs. And this was, how do you say, um, I'm... I'm, I'm, I, 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 I'm just uh, repeating what I heard. You have to fact check for yourself, but it's like, no, no I'm not going to get into it. It's like kind of like a 60s version of making sure that minority communities can be locked up easier than mm. the white communities because they are the ones who are involved mm-hmm. in the drug business more. And this kind of made the mm-hmm. prison population shoot up, but... Again, I can't mm-hmm. substantiate. I'm mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's possible. Um, I think now, of course, as you know, uh, the laws regarding marijuana are changing. What? How did that start? When did you guys become so cool with marijuana? Uh, I think it started 
in California. I, I want to say it started in California, like uh, back when I lived, like 2005, uh -huh. six. I think that's when they started legalizing medical marijuana. Right. Could be wrong by a couple of years, but more or less. Um, and then uh, I think in other places, the next level would be recreational marijuana. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's just gradual. I think people, you know, I think people get accustomed to it. And so they try in one state and there's no disaster right that maybe some conservative people get to criticize right. the other side uh, you know maybe would claim that we're gonna go to, you know You're the going world's to... gonna go to hell yeah <laughs> uh we'll go to hell what is it yeah. Yeah. If, if, if all stoners go to hell it'll be a cool place to be honest <laughs> i guess i guess i guess i guess probably not very productive yeah but, but i don't know like i think that's a stereotype i think that probably some stoners are very productive yeah. i don't know joe rogan for example is he a stoner? Yeah, Joe Rogan likes really? weed a lot. But he has a very specific job. I mean, he's already yeah. found he's found his niche. Yeah, that's true. And if he's high, he's not high. People are going to listen to his anyway. podcast, and you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if it works, if it works for him, you know, <laughs> he's very successful, and I guess it works. Yeah. Whatever. I think if you're a musician, it helps. <laughs> but me, no, I, I, I personally, that's not not my thing. Mm -hmm. But I do drink a beer or a glass of wine. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, in DC, it became legal. Uh, oh. Yeah, just uh, was a couple of years ago. I was, I want to say like at least three years ago, it became Re legal. Recreationally or medical? I think uh, I don't know, but I remember um, uh, I had the side gig of I, should, I don't know if I should say it. Will this will this will this <laughs> ruin my reputation? <laughs> but I had a side gig of uh, delivering uh -huh. food. Okay. Uh, for a little while, and I used to when I did it in DC. I um I would go into you know I would the, the door would open and there would be just uh, you know a lot of smoke okay. a lot of marijuana smoke yeah when you're high you munchies. feel like eating yeah munchies and uh, yeah yeah you feel like eating and then so this was this became prevalent like oh wow okay a lot of a lot of deliveries okay yeah. <laughs> yeah. this was my side gig uh for I don't know a year and a half or something. okay yeah um I want to say recreational but I could I think it was recreational mm -hmm. I want to say recreational uh. I don't know. I mean, I, I hear different things about it. So I think it's just gradual. I think that as people probably try some yeah. some weed, yeah, and maybe some of these people are in government. Really? Okay. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure. Like some of these, you know, some young politicians, and of course, it starts in more liberal places. I'm sure Kamala's tried weed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure she's. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> I know George Bush. I think smoked. really, he did harder drugs too. George W. Bush. Yeah. The, the son. Uh, the sun, yeah. Mm -hmm. Really? Damn. Yeah. I think he did uh, coke. <laughs> oh. I think he admitted really? to doing coke. I think Clinton, Clinton, Clinton said I smoked but I didn't inhale or something. <laughs> but he lies. Yeah, Clinton When lies. it comes to... Uh, I did not have sex relations with that one. Yeah, yeah. Especially, yeah. When, when it comes to uh, smoking accessories, <laughs> right? right? Or whatever. <laughs> the finer things of life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I think he lies a little bit. Um... A little bit, <laughs> yeah. But I think yeah, I think it starts in more liberal places. I think it probably starts with people who tried it mm -hmm. and maybe know that it doesn't really lead to disaster. Maybe yeah. it leads to a little bit of laziness. Laziness. No. I don't know, but no. I mean, I'm not sure, but probably laziness, probably excessive uh, munching, munching, <laughs> munching, ordering of sandwiches and pizzas and maybe sweet stuff <laughs> yeah i think they i think people mix uh do unusual combinations of oh, uh, of foods uh, peanut butter and 
I don't know what. <laughs> peanut butter and, and bacon pizza. Oh, or pineapple. Oh, okay. Ooh, I don't know. I but, try that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? So I think, I think uh, honestly, I think people see that it doesn't lead to disaster. And they're like, okay, so we, we had this in Portland, whatever, Oregon, and mm. uh, things are okay. Why don't we do it so somewhere else? And I think that uh, it does make sense because I think people – are not usually violent when they smoke. Yeah. They're probably relaxed. Like, so in many ways, dude. yeah, in many ways, it's better than alcohol. Probably good for the economy because yeah. first of all, if they order more food, mm. it's good for business. Mm. If you can tax those uh, marijuana, uh, whatever they are, dispensaries, dispensaries and, and, and uh, marijuana do farms. Think, do you think this is going to be the trend for the rest of the world? Because a lot of American trends do catch up in different parts of the world. What, do you think it's going to be the trend in different countries coming soon? Uh, probably, I think, yeah, especially like more liberal in terms of, yeah, less conservative countries. Yeah. yeah. I think it makes sense because I think that alcohol is uh, just as bad. Yeah. I mean, not for me. Even for worse. Me, uh, even worse. Yeah. I think in moderation, it's probably all fine. I think that, you know, I think that a little bit of alcohol is not bad, but I think over, uh, in general or just, you know, just alcohol is no, not better than the yeah. marijuana or cigarettes really bad. Yeah. And those things are legal. And taxed. And taxed, yeah. So I think uh, I personally don't smoke. Mm-hmm. Sorry to uh, you know again ruin my reputation. <laughs> I have smoked before, of course. But, yeah, yeah, you know, having this all. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, I speak from experience that I don't think it. I don't think it's good for me personally because I think I need to be a little sharper and mm. focused. And I can probably relax in other ways. Right. Um, but anyway, but I think for some people, I don't know. It's okay. And uh, yeah, I think it's a gradual process. People see that it's not a disaster. They probably see that they can make money from it. Uh, it's also good for uh, the fact that when it becomes legal, it eliminates some of the kind of organized crime yeah, activity crime elements, that's yeah. related to that, that's which I think is good. Sure. I agree with that. What about another song? Oh, sure. Okay. So <laughs> let me do this song. Yes. It's called uh, uh, Hollywood. Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. And I actually wrote it when I lived in. Hollywood. Hollywood. I live in Hollywood. Yeah. Dude, you live everywhere. Just make sure it's tuning song. Have you heard this? No. This is on my uh, CD. Huh? It's on iTunes. fucking child actors and their greedy moms they aren't cute, they're as ugly as anyone trying to get ahead, they only smile cause they want something I guess we all want something Welcome to Hollywood Some dreams don't come true and some do Welcome to Hollywood Been there, done that Now I gotta get out Like I know I should Trying to paddle balloon dogs 
to the tourists walking by and the superheroes cry welcome to Hollywood some dreams don't come true and some do welcome to Hollywood been there done that now I gotta get out like I know I should what if it's not the place what if it's just me what if it's the same no matter where I live? It's the same shit everywhere I go And I don't wanna live and die alone A sad little boy Welcome to Hollywood Some dreams don't come true And some do Welcome to get out like I know I sure that sure is nice in the Hollywood Hills and your pockets are filled with hundred dollar bills hey baby why don't you jump in my car and feel like the star that you know you are welcome to Hollywood some dreams don't come true Welcome to Hollywood Some dreams don't come true And some do Welcome to Hollywood Some dreams don't come true And some do I know, man. I don't think there's like there isn't a better conclusion to this podcast than that song. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> Thanks, man. Awesome. Well, yeah. So, just want to add. It felt like you know the starting of Sweet Home Alabama. <laughs> I kind of sure. I kind of felt sure. like, with the guitar chords. I kind of sure. felt like Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah. Anyway, I want to thank you so much for spending time with me and talking about United States of America. And uh, it's been a really insightful podcast. I learned so much. And for the two amazing songs, I'm so grateful. Thanks, man. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. And awesome. If you want to say something to the audience, this is your chance. This is your time. Uh, yeah, I wish everybody good health and good luck. Keep listening. Keep on rocking in the free world. <laughs> Hope to see you again. <laughs> okay. So, with that amazing song, we are concluding episode 9 of the Machan vs. World podcast, of the, which was United States of America. So thank you so much. Until next time.